All right, so Avengers Endgame. We've made it here. And to me, it was a breeze because I've already seen all the movies. But those of you that have been with us for a while, you know that Alex had basically let himself fall behind on the going-ons of the MCU. I wouldn't call it fall behind. <laughs> he actively made I willingly the let them lapse me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, social media, basically, I, I posted the list of movies. I basically told Alex, this is the path that you need to take to watch as few movies as you can <laughs> to still be caught up and kind of understand Endgame once it comes along. And so Alex has been taking this, I would like to say one movie at a time, but really no, I, I think at a times you watch like two mm-hmm. at a time. Uh, and I asked him for updates. So what follows is sort of a warm up to this episode is uh, we're going to read those texts. I couldn't find, I guess I deleted the, the first couple when you were telling me that you'd watch Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier. And, yeah. that you, and you were like, that was fine. Yeah. And then you made the, the mistake or the excellent choice of watching Joker right after or shortly after. Like you're getting ready Winter for a Soldier. wine tasting and then just jam <laughs> your mouth full of barbecue potato chips. Yes. So fortunately for the MCU, Alex did this and that he gained more appreciation after for, uh, for the craft. But uh, we'll start... I'll, I'll read my text. Alex will read his. So it starts with me saying, well, I can't wait for you to tell me how much you love Joker by the time it was over. I simply responded, we are all clowns. And then just a very over it reaction of Michael Scott, <laughs> with a, which was my reaction at the end of Joker. And I responded, LMAO, I guess it's over? I appreciate y'all not spoiling that Bruce's parents are killed in the end. Gotta get a shot of those pearls every time. That was exactly what I expected, yet somehow worse. Winter Soldier is now a good movie. The Elizabeth Town effect. My sister Lillian audibly groaned when the end in cartoon font hit the screen. That's life. So now we jump over to, I guess... Just like a stream of consciousness of me like working my way through these movies. Yes. Wait, Marissa Tomei is in Civil War. When did she come into the fray? That's the first time we see her in the MCU. Civil War is alright. It was approaching great status for me, and then it went another 45 minutes. Dude who plays Spider-Man now is great, though. They finally got the balance right. I said at the time, but it's worth repeating. If the trailers and marketing hadn't spoiled that Spider-Man was in the movie, we all would have gone nuts when it happened. Dude, what the fuck? These assholes got Rachel McAdams. LMAO. <laughs> Chuetel Ephifor? We're all part of the MCU. Some of us just don't know it yet. After they got Julie Delpy, they could get anyone. This is valid. LOL, Tilda Swinton, I'm legitimately laughing. Everybody. Wait until Ronda Rousey shows up. I forgot to update you. Doctor Strange fucking sucks. And then I just replied with that classic uh, gif of... uh, Titus. Titus from uh, Kimmy Schmidt just looking at the screen, at the computer screen, horrified. Brother, Spider-Man Homecoming is top shelf. Loved it. Possibly dethroned the first Thor as my favorite Avengers movie. Keaton got the MCU back on your good graces. Like, I'm going to buy that to own. Can't say enough good things. The what the fuck ending popped me huge. The Keaton reveal or Marisa Tomei walking in on him? The latter. And then when I was watching Thor Ragnarok, just a sequence of me texting names of actors and actresses with a gif of uh, Ryan Gosling flipping over a coffee table, Matthew Damon and Kate Blanchett. I just replied, super hot Kate Blanchett too. So Thor Ragnarok is just shoehorned comedy, I see. Have to respect it. I'm surprised I didn't get a shock text about Seth Brundle. That I knew about. Damn it. I now believe every single person that told me how great Ragnarok was and how it was so different from the other MCU movies voted for Trump because they are liars. Black Panther has some great stuff, though. 
It had a literal hour of filler, but the meat of that movie is incredible. You like your Thor like you like your sex. Humorless and with no gimmicks. Either eat ass or don't bother. That's the director's cut. Ten minutes of Loki eating ass. Infinity War is fun, but I have no possible idea how there is a three-hour sequel to this and the need for ten more years of movies. What a time to be alive. I just responded with that picture of, uh, you know, the classic Leo giving a toast. Sport. But he has, uh, yeah, old sport, but give it with Thanos' face. And I said, all will be answered in time. All-time missed opportunity, not just painting a nude Josh Brolin purple. Your devotion to practical effects is admirable. And so we arrive to today. Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself, and at Avnio for Julio. That's O V N I O. Now, time for the podcast. And we are recording for Avengers Endgame Contrarian's Corner. Bah, 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 bah. Yes, it it has come to this episode ninety nine, Avengers Endgame. Julio's long con on me of getting me to uh, fall in with these mar this MCU movie. I can't. I sound. You sound like such a fucking asshole when you say MCU. MCU. Yeah, I can't do it. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, these Marvel movies. I just call them all Avengers movies. Is basically what they are. You're an old man. Yeah, no, I on. won one for Avengers. Yes. <laughs> They they all fall into this Avengers category with the like, well even this uh, X Men ones, I guess now are you, you also Disney. called them Avengers not anymore or I they were different but now I guess they're all just part of the same zeitgeist. Anyway, Avengers Endgame. Welcome to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, and I am joined, as always, by a friend. <laughs> taxing the definition of the word today. He's looking out for me. He wants me to be educated in these fields of superhero movies. But uh, Julio, Julio, it's Saturday afternoon. You've been here for approximately 72 hours as we watch this movie. <laughs> oh, God. It's it now was, time. There's not even usually I will make some sort of like attempt at a pithy remark about the movie we watch. If it's, you know, if we're going to try to be contrarians about a fresh movie, mm -hmm. which this movie is. Uh, Very. I, I can't even because if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I fucking live for the mcu movies and i was if you listen to our green book episode which was recorded shortly after i watched endgame for the very first time in movie theaters you might remember that i was over the moon then i'm not gonna lie still over the moon now uh really this is all about alex's reactions uh but i will put in the the effort to be negative during contrarian's corner yeah what's um i know there was one we did recently where i was like uh, almost famous 
Yes. Like, it like pained me to be negative about it. So if this is your first time listening to the contrarians, uh, you're probably wondering why there's so much animus over the, these Marvel <laughs> movies, but, uh, here on the contrarians, we like to say we're right and you're wrong. We also rage against the rotten tomatoes machine. Our whole gimmick is, uh, alternating episodes in which we find a movie on rotten tomatoes. That is certified fresh or even just generally fresh. We stick to about 85% and up, uh, and make a case for the things that are bad about it. And on the opposite side of the coin, we'll find a movie with a nasty green splotch, a rotten film and make a case for the good in it. All to say that art is subjective and also the rotten tomato system is flawed. And we're here to kind of educate you on that. Now on the second part of the podcast called real talk, (laughs) That's when we tell you how we really feel about the movie. I think Real Talk's going to be doing the lion's share of the work on this podcast. It will definitely be the most uh, interesting part of it. I think that the most fruitful discussion is going to come from uh, our views clashing regarding this franchise. But that's not to say that Contrarian's Corner is not going to be fun. No. There's so much to poke fun of in this movie. Three hours worth. Yeah. Three hours and two minutes. (laughs) Every bit of its length. Uh. And if this is your first time listening, yes, as you can tell, uh, or even if you're a returning listener or a long-time listener on every episode, you know I have uh, not a grudge, but just basically I I view the Marvel movies as this kind of weird uh, thing that's voiding the culture of film. So, so for this, obviously Julio had proposed we did Avengers Endgame, but there was a lot of catching up I needed to do, so... In preparation for this, I had seen the entire first run, which apparently phase you, one. you people refer to it as phase one. Uh, and then from phase two, I watched Winter Soldier, uh, excuse me, Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, uh, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War. That brought us up today with Endgame. Uh, on my own time, I had also previously seen Guardians of the Galaxy, and I feel like I've seen Ant-Man, but I'm not entirely sure. Somehow you knew that Michael Douglas was in it, but I guess you could have just... Sexual Tyrannosaur Michael Douglas? <laughs> you just follow his career closely. So we're here today to tackle, I was going to call it the grand finale, but it's not because they've literally announced another 10 years worth of movies. Uh, I don't want to real talk into uh, this too soon, but, you know, it is the finale of sorts for some characters. We're here for the big one, yeah. for Avengers Endgame, the big, legitimately the biggest movie of all time, made almost $3 billion. One for each hour. Billion, with a B. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's probably getting a fucking Best Picture nomination. Hey, if Green Book can get one. That's well, <laughs> that that came up last night. I was bitching about these movies to somebody and I was like, just it's gonna get a best picture nomination. Then I was like, Green Book won, so who cares? Like I mean But even you... that Green Book has the white savior thing that you can almost understand why the Academy would dominate it. Downey Jr. is white. Is he the savior in this? He definitely saves T'Challa. Wow. <laughs> he he saves the entire universe. But yeah, it's I think that's not really real talk, but I think it'll be pretty surprising if it doesn't get a Best Picture nomination. Uh, we will riot if he doesn't get it, but Joker does. Ooh. That is the Ooh. darkest timeline. That is the darkest <laughs> timeline. All right. Anyway, this is going to be so hard to contain it to the gimmick for the first portion of this. So let's just let's get right into it. Uh, 94% means everyone was over the moon about this, not just Julio. So what what were people saying about this movie? Okay. Lots and lots and lots of fresh red tomatoes. I grabbed a handful from the Rotten Tomatoes website. Here's a few quotes. Starting with Manuel Pignon from Photogrammas. 
says, there will never be a Marvel film with an epic feel like this one. Okay. Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie says, it does justice one ending. That's 22 movies in the making. Mm. Stuart McGurk from GQ Magazine UK. Why does anything need 22 movies? Why not? Okay. Why do you need that that refill on your soda? Because <laughs> Dr. Pepper is delicious. <laughs> With Avengers Endgame, in some ways, they've made the most adult superhero film yet because there are consequences and things matter. <laughs> Gary Dole. Who from, who wrote that? That was Stuart McGurk. Okay. He's McGurking it up. Uh, Gary Dowell from Dark Horizon says light a bag of dog shit on his <laughs> on fire and put it on his porch uh, Gary Dowell from Dark Horizons that it succeeds isn't a surprise the real surprise to the relief of many is the level of quality to which this complicated and admittedly busy piece of pop art rises <laughs> and Render finally mute. finally Paul McGuire Grimes from KSTP-TV I feel like Stan Lee is probably looking down from heaven with a huge smile oh, on his face. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> that was a good touch, having him as the the young guy once again. I thought it was a really good cameo for him to have. So, again, to reiterate, during this first portion, we're going to explain. Uh, we're going to argue the, the negative side of this movie. And then if you want to know how we really feel, hang on to the second portion of the podcast called Real Talk, where we will dive in. I don't hate these movies. I just have issues that will be <laughs> properly vented. You don't hate them. You just hate that we love them. I don't hate that you love them. I just hate how lazy they're making everything. <laughs> Avengers Endgame begins with, uh, it's fitting that we brought up Green Book, because it once again begins with Linda Cardellini, one of the most underutilized actresses in the game, being completely wasted. She's on screen for like two seconds, and then she disappears. Is that her thing now? Is that the, the Cardellini, it, like, her trademark? Is just... Well, the difference was here, she was... Well, no, it's the same thing, because, like, in all of her parts in fucking Green Book, she's making food, and here she's doing the same she's thing. She's making hot dogs. The only difference was she didn't come out of the kitchen with a big plate of pasta magoo or something. Uh, here, at least, they gave her a reason to be gone, because she's gone from existence. In Green Book, <laughs> she was still alive. She just... The movie just didn't care. So, it's Hawkeye. What's his shoot name? Clint Barton. Okay, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> is playing uh or he's teaching his daughter how to use a bow and arrow and uh one already setting up yes enough 20 years from now lady uh, hawkeye but we're the viewer is led to believe that this sequence is taking place towards the end of infinity war it would make sense because at the end of infinity war spoilers thanos snaps his fingers and half of the world is gone or the, universe, the universe is gone and in this case, the numbers did not help out for Jeremy Renner because his entire family's gone. Four people, and he's just there left alone. And then doesn't... Man. No, the Avengers... Yeah, they Oh, no, we have like 30 the minutes first to reel. go. Before. There's a whole reel before <laughs> yeah. we hit the title credits. Um, no, this is just the Marvel logo. This takes us to the Marvel logo. That... Okay. All right. And then we go to outer space where Tony Stark and Nebula, uh, I guess they kind of settled together in a not working spaceship after uh, everything went down. And I told Julio, I said, uh, fucking Bob Downey did the machinist diet. He was gaunt as hell and he's about to die. They, They're uh, running out of oxygen on the, the plane. And it's, um, he looks absolutely terrible. Like he looks like he's been starved to death and it has been beaten up constantly. And she's doing some meth. 
Yes, uh, exactly. Whenever she wasn't looking. Yeah, Nebula seems to be trying to help him because she's an alien. She can do whatever. But he's recording uh, a telecommunication that hopefully will make its way back to Gwyneth Paltrow that, hey, I'm dying. He says, please don't put this on YouTube. It's a tearjerker. Full well knowing that it will end up on YouTube. That's why he recorded it. And then, um, like, they burn through all the rations on the plane and the oxygen levels burning out because the plane doesn't work. It's or not plane, excuse me, spaceship. It's just defunct. As we think he's about to drift off into the, the long goodbye, uh, this beaming billow of light shows up and it's... It's feminism. Brie Larson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is feminism. It's uh, Captain Marvel. I was trying to think of something at the Demon Clash. I was trying to think of her name from fucking uh, oh, Scott Pilgrim. Fuck. Which, Ursula. again, <laughs> Ursula. Here nor there. Captain Marvel shows up. She grabs the plane by the balls and just flies it back to Earth. And doesn't she pretty much just park it on the lawn of the Avengers headquarters? Pretty much. And this is just... Uh, even if you watched... Uh, the Captain Marvel movie, which I didn't. I, I took that out of your homework because, you know, time was precious. But I would like to. I, I actually would. I really like Brie Larson. And so I would actually. As long point, as you're watching it for Brie Larson and not watching it to, like, find out how she gets there. Because that is never explained. This is just basically at the end of Infinity War, the writers said. She and got the, the Thor treatment from the original Avengers. Exactly. You know, they're like, they just put Iron Man in a position where you're like, how does he ever get out of this? He's a gazillion light years away from Earth. And then the answer is Captain Marvel. But how? Captain Marvel. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's all it. you need to know. Yeah, she just parks this plane on the lawn of the Avengers headquarters. And then you learn it's only been three weeks. It's like Tony Stark's kind of a little bitch. Like, he had all these rations and stuff. Like you He just went through them really quickly. You would have thought he was like in a POW camp for like six months. And he had like a watch up his ass that he was trying to <laughs> hold on to. But it's just been like Captain America's like, yeah, it's been three weeks. And then Tony Stark's like in a wheelchair and he's got these IVs rehydrating him. It, it's like you're one of the saviors of the galaxy. You think you'd be able to figure out how to parcel out food and nutrition a little bit better. It's not even that he's gaunt. It's just that mentally he's also a mess. Yeah. He's, he's in no position to even lead the Avengers. He's, he didn't have anyone paying attention to him for three weeks. So that's he freaked what out. Yeah. But. If I'm not mistaken, is this the first time him and Captain America interacted since Civil War? Because I think right. they're on different planets. Since, since and, the breakup. And, okay, yeah. And so immediately he can't be an adult. He just starts blaming Chris Evans for everything that's gone wrong. It, this could have really used him saying, and I'm going to say it what no one else will. Your looks have become a problem. <laughs> it also shows that, I mean, the movies have built Tony Stark to be really smart. And so... I would like to believe that he's not really buying his own bullshit here. Mm -hmm. Captain America wouldn't have made a difference. Captain America is just a guy. Yeah. He's strong. He's good looking. He he can inspire people. But we all watch Infinity War. Mm -hmm. They would have gotten their ass kicked with Captain America or without. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's blaming him for the, the whole thing in Civil War where, hey, you know, we need to be regulated versus not being regulated. And again, wouldn't have mattered. No. Thanos cares not. He is inevitable. Uh, so they all band together. Those who are left, which it consists of Black Widow, War Machine, Mark Ruffalo. He's uh, not the Hulk anymore. Uh, Rocket Raccoon, Academy Award winner, winner. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were saying uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yes. No, 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 no. Yeah, Bradley Cooper was just nominated. 
Uh, so they all band together and they figure out how to track Thanos. They know where he is because Nebula has that information. Yeah, because she is his daughter, so she knows that she knows basically his retirement plan, like they say in the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> once he once he achieved his goal of wiping out half of life in the universe, he had this planet where he wanted to go chill for the rest of his days. So they go to Pensacola and they find him down there, and he's already Brolin's looking worse for wear. One, he's swollen and purple, and then two, uh, like half of his body's burned. And, and he's it, making soup. Yeah, I don't know what he, the hell he's doing. He's a long way from from the super villain that that had us on our toes in Infinity War. He's like picking like passion fruits and <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's doing. It's also just like it completely kills the whole aura of this man that just wiped out half of humanity. Right? I mean, by the with the last time you see him on He's like shucking War. jackfruit and listening to Bob <laughs> Seeger. It's like what the fuck is he doing? Definitely not what you expected when you were wondering what happens now no. that he's won? So they find him. Immediately, Thor cuts his arm off where the uh, gauntlet is to make sure that's isolated. And they turn the gauntlet over and they find that all the stones are gone. And they ask him, what'd you do? And he explains, I used the stones to destroy the stones. Do they really give reason for why he did this other than just to do it? I think that because he needed to do it. <laughs> I think if if I wanted I guess to guess for him to ensure that it couldn't be undone. Right. I think if I wanted to give Thanos credit, he didn't want the temptation of having so much power again. So he destroyed it. He broke his dick off trying to jack off, so he's like, <laughs> I need to get rid of these stones. That power stone is too much. <laughs> to, yeah, that sent him to the hospital the first time he tried to pleasure himself with them. That's where that limp is coming from when he's carrying his watermelons. <laughs> so they just beat him up and then Thor cuts his head off. Go home. Movie's over. There's an awful lot of killing done by the good guys in this movie. There's an awful lot of violence in all of these movies. Yes, but I think that Avengers Endgame crosses that line to where the good guys are doing the killing now. Like, they didn't need to kill Thanos here. Mm -hmm. You know? He was a non He was a farmer. <laughs> they could have taken him prisoner, put him in trial, crimes against humanity. But no, instead, judge, jury, executioner, Thor just... Decapitates him, and it's supposed to be a triumphant moment. And then, like, his, they do the classic thing of his head just standing there with the eyes open, so his daughter Nebula closes his eyes. Yeah, this took up a half hour. There's no reason this couldn't have just been a consolidated four minute post credit scene in uh, Infinity War. And we're not even, this is not even our throw to the title. No. It's just our throw to five years, years later. later. <laughs> oh, it takes five years for this, this text to hit the screen. Uh, Captain America is leading support groups. Because that's what you want from your superheroes. He caused all this, and he's just like, hey, let me make you feel better about this. There have to be better ways to use his time in a world that apparently has been thrown into chaos because half the population is gone. Anybody can do the inspirational talk part that he's doing. He mm -hmm. needs to be out there fighting crime. I mean, Hawkeye gets it. <laughs> he becomes a vigilante. Not even he a gets it a little too much. Yes, he just becomes a mass murderer. Uh, but yeah, Captain America is leading these support groups about you know what do we do now. Scarlett Johansson's just really sad. She's just like really emotional, and that's about it. She's trying she's, to find Hawkeye. Yeah, she's running calm. She's bossing everybody around because I guess Captain America doesn't have time to do it. But she's not really doing anything other than mope around and eat peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, she's making herself sandwiches. And then uh, Ant Man, Paul Rudd. What is his shoot name? Scott Lang. Okay. 
So Scott returns from space where he was basically stranded at, towards the end of the second Ant-Man. Yeah, the quantum zone. Okay. He was hanging out with uh, Scott Bakula. Okay. And he makes his way back just due to a happenstantial rat fiddling around or just walking over the control panel that brings him back to Earth. And he obviously has a uh, stark, uh, no pun intended, coming back to reality. Basically has to catch up really quickly. It's really weird. But then when he does, he's just like, okay. Well, there's like five seconds of dramatic actor Paul Rudd where he cries when he first sees his daughter again and she's now five years older. So, you know, she's not the little girl that he had in the first two Ant-Man movies. Uh, I don't like it. I like my Paul Rudd funny. <laughs> he has the the perpetual five o'clock shadow in this movie, too. That's great. It's yeah. like it always looked like he just shaved three days ago, even though this takes place over, I don't know how long, five years. <laughs> but he's back. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He goes and doesn't he see his own name listed on the people, the casualty wall? Yeah. Which is bullshit. Like, I don't know how the hell we could have that when we don't really know. <laughs> There's so many people off the grid that if that happened, you couldn't make some like Vietnam style memorial. Right. How, how do you how do you get on that wall? Does somebody just go up and say like, yeah, I haven't seen him in two months. So I'm guessing he disappeared when Thanos. Oh, and then it's finger? put up. And then what happens if like uh, someone comes up and they're like, Roger Burberry died. And the guy's like, fuck, we got to take them all down and put this guy's name at the very beginning. <laughs> That's right. Because they're in alphabetical. Order. Yeah. Very impractical. Waste of resources. Also, I don't think we ever got the scope of how big this this park does. You know, even if they're using really tiny font, you're talking billions about- <laughs> of people. Exactly. Trillions. Maybe it's just America. I guess that's true. You had to have a social security number to make it up on that wall. Citizenship, not even green card. <laughs> But Ant-Man's back. He learns what's happened. So immediately he goes to the Avengers headquarters and wants to meet with um, Captain America and Scarlett Johansson. And essentially he's prophesizing if we use a time machine to go back and get the stones. He comes up with the idea that anybody should have come up with by now. Yes. There's so many great minds. Fucking Captain America's just looking at him like he's got, you know. Cap, I mean, I'll give you. Cap, you know, was asleep for like 50 years. So he missed out on Back to the Future, which gets referenced a lot. And and I don't think that he goes to the movies very much. But Black Widow, I mean, she has to be, because she's a spy, she has to be up to speed in pop culture. So she would have known. So he wants a time machine. He figures out if they can do it. They can basically circle back and get the stones, prevent everything from happening, and then return them to where they belong after defeating Thanos. I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> I think his original plan is just to steal the stones, but then in the process of doing it, they realize that they also need to return them. Yeah, because they basically have to restore balance to the universe, but they just got to prohibit Thanos from getting his greasy purple paws on him. So they realize it's the best shot they have, so why not? So they go and track down the Hulk, who's like, casual hulk now no they do tony stark first they do tony stark and he basically tells them to go you know push rope up a hill <laughs> i have a kid now yes yeah that's right you get the humanizing shot of tony stark with this kid and <laughs> gwyneth paltrow in the kitchen because that's apparently all women are good for in this movie she was there to receive him you know she was there at the airport when he landed yes. <laughs> but now we have no use for her but he's also retired i have a family tony stark because he's not dying his hair the copy toner black it's like got the little bit of brown and blonde in it and you know he looks uh very very daddy uh tony stark he's regained his weight too he's looking he's got the dad bod he's but the flattering dad bod filled out but yeah he just does he doesn't care he even cuts uh paul rudd off at one point he's like no i'm not gonna do it so go away and they just kind of tuck their tail and just slump their head and walk away 
so then they go to the Hulk. To Cashel Hulk. Yes. Who's just the Hulk, but just, I guess he figured out how to control his rage. They figure out how to not have Mark Ruffalo in the movie. <laughs> Only his voice. They figured out with test audiences <laughs> that his face was too off-putting. Yeah, it's it basically like if Michael Shannon had been cast, they would figure out a way to have a mask on him the entire time. In the credits, it just says, Mark Ruffalo, a CGI. <laughs> Ass- assistant to Mr. Ruffalo's <laughs> CGI agent. Yeah, he's just there eating food, wearing a sweater and glasses, and kids want a picture with him. It's I could say this about a lot of the movie, but it's not necessary. But, uh, but it's so funny, Alex. It, yes. It's ha. so funny because, you know, they want a picture with him, but they don't want a picture with Paul Rudd. Yep. Which, why would they? Nobody knows Ant-Man. But the Hulk is the next smartest person they know next to Tony Stark. I, That's I like. a pretty sad statement. <laughs> so they figure that he can help them out. Meanwhile, back at home... Tony, which it seems like he's abandoned drinking at this point. Yeah, he has a kid. Yeah. So Tony the Lip Stark, <laughs> back at his home, uh, runs some tests on it. And he figures out how they can do this time portal nonsense. So what kept him from doing this five years ago? Okay, let's give him a year to get his shit back together. Four years ago, he could have figured out time travel. Neither of us have kids, but I imagine as soon as Gwyneth Paltrow said, I'm pregnant, he's like, he just... <laughs> reprioritize his entire life. Which, you know, that that little girl, she looks like she's, what, like four? Yeah. I mean, she can't be more than four, right? Because And that means that as soon as he was back, as soon as he was off, the, he he was making babies. Ravenous lovemaking all night long. It's been three weeks, Gwyneth. I mean, to be fair, I've seen Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr. They let's, The chemistry's there? Oh, yeah, it's a good-looking couple. Imagine they have a mirror above their bed. <laughs> uh, Tony sees it'll work. So he's got that in the back of his mind. They're doing the test runs uh, back at Avengers headquarters with the, of course, um, Ant-Man is their subject and uh, the Hulk has divided his machine and he thinks he's going to make it work. And so we get like this fucking like 10 minute segment of age comedy where they keep transporting. He comes back older, younger, blah, blah, blah. Not funny. The Hulk has become a bumbling idiot. This was supposed to be somebody that was on the level of Tony Stark. And it's like with every installment of Marvel movies, he's become dumber. He's like Joey in Friends. Like every season, <laughs> he just seemed to regress. He's like Kevin on The Office. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We're now just, it's just like, how much of an idiot is he? You know, they, the test is completely, it's a failure. And yet he turns to Cap and goes, time travel. <laughs> It'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. But they eventually figure it out. And then they got to go get Thor. I can't remember why they have to go get Thor. They need like a god or some. Well, because Tony shows up and he's like, I figure it out, but we need a team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll go get a team. So they go to new Asgard, which looks like it's like in, I don't know, Massachusetts. (laughs) It's on the water somewhere. And then they go and find Thor, who has essentially become me. (laughs) And he's, he's in much better shape than I am at this point. But. Uh, just eating pizza, playing video games, and drinking beer, and I can relate to it. He's not hurting anybody. No, that yeah, exactly. He's I'll got, take that life over Tony's. He's got that axe, and you know, in case he's got any people giving him shit, but he's doing fine. So they they don't trick him. They just tell him we got to get Thanos, and then he just breaks down crying. He's like, "Don't say that name." But then it turns out to be as easy as saying, "Hey, we got beer." Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That at least I can get. Yeah. The, his motivations for going along with this are as realistic as anyone else's in this movie. Self-hatred and alcohol addiction. Yes. Down. And we do get uh, 
Bob Downey referring to him as Lebowski, which I thought was funny. And he, at one point, he wants a Bloody Mary for breakfast, which, <laughs> God bless him. I'd uh, like a Bloody Mary. <laughs> meanwhile, Hawkeye is just going on a global killing spree. Uh, they Don Cheadle said he found him in Mexico just killing people, and then we see him in Japan killing people, um, It's being it's a treacherous guy, Gene. It's been like 45 minutes, and this is her first real oh, action scene. It God, I guess it already, yeah, 45 minutes. This movie's in three acts. It's ten hours, ten hours, ten hours. We're still, we're still in Act One. Yes, uh, we're still getting the team back together. But yeah, it's uh, that literally does take the first hour of the movie. And it's and you in know the we, middle hour we're gonna <laughs> fuck with your emotions, and in the third hour you're not gonna see anything real. It's just a bunch of CGI <laughs> shit on screen. The emotions are real, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get our first action sequence of this major blockbuster. Forty-five minutes in, we're starving for something exciting to happen, and it's just. Jeremy Renner finding some random Asian thugs. Mm-hmm. There's nobody of, of importance. This would be the perfect... It's bullshit, too, because you don't even know it's Jeremy Renner. You can't get invested in it because he's wearing a <laughs> right. hood. If I saw Jeremy Renner wielding a samurai sword, I'd be like, all right, let's 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 see where this goes. Right. It's like, if you're... You know, you should show him with the, with the bow and arrow. That way I know it's him. Yeah. Uh, or, if you're going to be mysterious about Jeremy Renner, then give me... This is the perfect spot for a cameo from a minor villain. You know, throw in like the, I don't know, the blob. <laughs> uh, who, I'm trying to think of a villain that kind of just rode off into the sunset in a previous Marvel movie. Oh, fucking, uh, we were talking about him, um, uh, the wrestler. Uh, oh, Whiplash, Whiplash, Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yeah, you have Mickey Rourke. Wham, wham. <laughs> God. It would be practical, too, because he his face, he's had so much surgery since then, he looked like he traveled back in time and got like stuck in a time paradox. Uh, the time traveling begins, so one group, Captain America, Thor, and, uh, or not Thor, excuse me, Captain America, Ant-Man, and Tony Stark go back to 2012. It's just the three of them? Yeah, it's just the three of them, you're right. So it's the end of the Avengers, the first one, phase one. Yeah. And then Nebula and Don Cheadle go to 2014, because they're going to Guardians of the Galaxy. They're going to try to like cut off fucking Chris Pratt and get his stone. <laughs> And then is there another group that goes somewhere? Yeah, uh, you have Thor and Rocket go to Thor 2, the Dark World. Yes. So they can uh, get the stone from Natalie Portman. And then you have, uh, in the weirdest, most illogical pairing of them all, the two people with the least amount of superpowers are sent into the furthest corner of outer space. And they send Black Widow and Hawkeye to... uh, to get the stone that, that's guarded by uh, the Red, Red Skull. Skull. Yeah. I never thought of that. Like, Hulk could just beat the shit out of him, but they send these two people like, well, we're just Did they just, like, people. pull names out of a hat? <laughs> yeah, they, they drew straws. Um, Planet it's, 20... It's basically a tour of Marvel history. At this point, it just becomes this sort of, like... It's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 when you beat the game, and then there's the museum of everything that you did in the game, <laughs> and you can go and interact with all those things. That's what it is. The plan in 2012 goes awry, and <laughs> they lose the stone, and Loki takes it and takes it back to Asgard, I'm guessing. We never find out. We never see him again. I'm sure we'll find out eventually, five, six movies from now, when uh, Tom Hiddleston decides that he wants to make another Marvel movie. Uh, but we do get Chris Evans versus Chris Evans. This is... Uh, Battle of the Butts. Yeah. It, and they have the alternate... It's, you know, when you have Ken versus Ken and Ryu versus Ryu. <laughs> yes. You select, and it automatically selects your alternate skin. 
So Chris Evans from the past looks like Captain America, and the Chris Evans of today, uh, it's the reverse color scheme. <laughs> yes. And no mask. Yes. And they fight, and he says Martha, and then the other one <laughs> acquiesces. Um, what does he say? Bucky's alive? Yeah, yeah. And also in 2012, we forgot to mention they take the Hulk back, because then we get the love side plot of the Hulk and Tilda Swinton. Yes. Oh, so there's three stones. Because she has the time stone. Right, yeah. because this is before before Doctor Strange was a thing. Yeah, and... Benny Cumberbatch was still Sherlock. He had when he landed it. on the roof and he was going in, it was like, Doctor Strange is like five years from this. <laughs> and then Tilda Swinton's like, you're five years too early. <laughs> and you just felt the shame wash over you that, that you knew that you were in sync with the movie. <laughs> Unfortunately... Uh, Mark Ruffalo and Tilda Swinton don't fuck on screen. No. I thought that's where it was going. Especially because she she unhulks him. Mm-hmm. This is the one moment where Ruffalo looks like Ruffalo. I guess it was part of his contract. Is I need to show my face, my real face, at least once. Yeah. So she like she taps him on the shoulder and he just... Julianne he... Moore watches and goes, not how I would have done it. <laughs> I would have straddled him. <laughs> fuck the Hulk out of him instead of just tapping him. But it's so pointless. They this intersperse all these clips of him and Tilda Swinton like talking about time displacement and all this bullshit just for her to realize, oh wait, no, you're supposed to have this. Because he, he closes with the thing that he should have opened with. Essentially, is, Doctor Strange is smarter than all of them. Right. And it, figured out that uh because at the end of Infinity War, he's like, Yeah, there's one way we win this, and there's no other way. So he gives his time stone to Thanos, and then they go back in time, and she basically figures it out. Oh, yeah, I am supposed to give this to you. Yeah, but first, we have, like, maybe 20 minutes of uh, of Mark Ruffalo just kind of, like, mansplaining time travel to uh, to Tilda Swinton, and she's not buying it. No. So they have two of the three stones to acquire the third, the Tesseract. They go back even further in time to 1970. No right, because they can't get the one that Loki took. Mm-hmm. So now they have to go even further back. So they go to take it off the military base where it was being stored. And if there's anything that I can rescue from this movie is just, well, it was all worth it for this. It's that do we get a glimpse of Mike Douglas's character back in the 70s when he has like the, the 70s hair. Full head of hair. And uh, also that's where we get our Stan Lee cameo. The guy from Mad Men who plays Tony Stark's father is in there. <laughs> But they get they get the Tesseract. Meanwhile, back in uh, Asgard, Thor and Rocket Raccoon get the stone they're looking for, but not before uh, Thor is, sees his mother, who's obviously since passed. I have in my notes here, Thor and his mom, parentheses, actually good scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you take out the, the fat shaming, maybe. It's the only time where these like powers that the people have are consistent. And they play to him because she's just immediately like, I know you're from the fucking future. Quit lying to me. <laughs> it's the worst plan. Okay. I don't know what's worse thought out. This one or or sending uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye to the other end of the universe. Because so the original plan is that Rocket has this little thing that he's going to stick on Natalie Portman and, you know, take the stone from her. That. But Thor is going to seduce her so that she's distracted. He looks nothing like Thor at this point. Do they think that Natalie Portman is blind? She's not going to notice that he has a huge beard and he's gained like 400 pounds. So then while he's distracted with his mom, Rocket does it anyway. Yeah. Which means that they didn't need Thor there anyway. They should have sent Thor to like the Red Skull planet. Yeah. And we don't really know what happens. I guess Rocket Raccoon could have just like uh, a more mercy killed (laughs) Natalie Portman and then taken the stone, (laughs) created this massive time paradox. (laughs) But yeah, Rene Russo is just like, boy, the future is not kind to you. 
but it is yeah I, that don't want to get too far into real talk that that scene will come back up later so rocket raccoon and thor get their stone they they gone they done uh, back in 2014 don Cheadle and nebula take down chris pratt easily they, easily he's a buffoon he's an idiot as uh, don Cheadle <laughs> says they get their stone and they return but Nebula has basically a computer program running in her head and it somehow fucks with the 2014 version and they're like making it different timestamps. So the- she forgot to password protect her Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because Thanos is right. Her password was password. <laughs> yes. He says when, you know, he, he starts analyzing the situation. He's like, there's two Nebulas sharing the same network. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been there. That's how they got my credit card information. The good news is Zoe Saldana in green paint is back. And so (laughs) I perked up. (laughs) But yeah, essentially they're sharing the same brain that's computer operated. So Thanos, the whole point of this, Thanos figures out what the fuck's going on. Thanos from the past. Thanos from, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Before he got his head cut off. Yeah. So Thanos in 2014 figures out, son of a bitch, these white people (laughs) in five years are going to try to fuck with me. And so... He wants in on it and figures out what's going to happen. Because, I mean, his plan was always the same. He was going to get the stones, yada, yada, yada. Point is, Don Cheadle returns with his stone, but Thanos blocks Nebula from returning. And instead, he sends evil Nebula Mm -hmm. in her stead. Uh, Now, all this wouldn't be possible. It would be like a knot of time paradoxes. But the movie, in one of the laziest like cover-ups lines, early on when they're doing the testing, they just basically say... Hey, audience and characters that have watched time travel movies, nothing you know about time travel movies applies to this. So just go with it. Okay? They Don't think sure, about it too much. They make sure to call out all the famous time travel movies. Yeah. So Don Cheadle and Paul Rudd, they're like the audience. They're like, no, but what about this? And what about this? And what about... They even name drop Hot Top Time Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mark Ruffalo... A funnier movie than this. <laughs> yes. That's what we needed. We needed... Uh, Craig Robinson. Well, Clark I was going to say Clark Duke. Rob Corddry. John Cusick. Of, well, of course. I'm trying to think of who, what superhero Rob Corddry could play that they haven't. Banshee. <laughs> <laughs> Back with Red Skull, if you've seen Infinity War, which I will call that out right here and now. You have, like, I would have had no idea what was going on. Like, if I just watched Endgame, it's like you could watch any Nightmare on Elm Street movie and understand what's happening. That is true. This, I, arguably, I, you would get more out of New Nightmare if you've watched the original yes, and of course. Warriors. You would get things out of them, but it wouldn't just be like from the jump, be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that. So I will say this about that. To, to reference that Infinity War, you learn that to get the stone from Red Skull, you have to offer a sacrifice, a soul for a soul. Yeah, which is crazy because, you know, he says the thing you love most. Hawkeye is married. Mm-hmm. He has two kids. Does it mean that next in line is Scarlett Johansson? Because, I mean, they're, they're gone. But is that really the thing he loves most? I think that's all he had left. But Were they fucking? I th- think the implication is that uh, Hawkeye and Scarlett Johansson had a thing on the side. I, I would hope so. Right? I mean, I buy Jeremy Renner having <laughs> Scarlett Johansson and Linda Cardellini pine after him. That is believable. I would totally believe that Night, uh, Nighthawk... Uh, <laughs> Hawkeye and Black Widow are doing the the dance with two backs. 
Yeah, but okay, so he sacrifices her, but th- do you also believe that she sacrifices, that she that would be the same the other way around? Well, that's the thing. They get into like a fight about it. I mean, you want to talk about peak white people shit. It's like, no, I want to sacrifice myself. And they start fighting over it. And uh, in like one of the one moments of actual truth and logic in this movie, Hawkeye is like, I should die. I've been killing innocent people all over the world. You You know know what what I've done. (laughs) She's like, no, I want to do it. And it ends up with both of them hanging over the side of this cliff. And she tells him, you know, you have to let go. And he lets go. And he's really sad. No, he doesn't let go. She kicks. Oh, yeah. She kicks off. Excuse me. So she doesn't even give give him that out. He That guy is going to live with that forever. You know, it's not that he made the choice. All right. We're doing this. We're doing this. No. Instead, she just kind of sucker punched him into letting her die. Well, it's a backdraft that I go. You go. That's uh, that's passengers. Okay. You die, I die. <laughs> no, they they say that. Have you seen Backdraft? No. Okay. F- okay. I know I'm right about that. And it's like, no, you go, we go, is what he says. Anyway, Scarlett Johansson's dead. Boom. The hottest person in the movie, and they killed her. <laughs> Thank God we got Gamora back. Yes. But they come back, and they done it. They got everything they need. Except that Hawkeye doesn't seem very happy about No. <laughs> Everybody is like, we did it. We did it. Wait. <laughs> and then they he's like, he doesn't say anything. They just know she doesn't come back. And then we get like this overhead shot of all of them like sulking. And then the Hulk just like, damn it, like hits the ground really <laughs> mad. But they rig up a, a, a gauntlet and put all the stones in there. And then the Hulk snaps his fingers and everyone's back. It's actually uh, awesome because like it's quiet. And then Hawkeye's <laughs> phone starts ringing and you see it's Linda Cardellini. The way you know you're back in the real world is <laughs> Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini calling you means that you're you're back in the good timeline. But again, we don't even get to hear her. They're like, we're not using you for anything, Linda Cardellini. <laughs> they just pull her Facebook profile picture. Yeah, exactly. It it's there. like her LinkedIn shot that they use for her calling his phone. Uh, they were so distracted while they were doing this thing. There's a fucking hour still left in the movie here. I'm just realizing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were so distracted while they were doing the, the gauntlet, getting everything ready, that they never even noticed that Nebula, who's really fake Nebula, mm-hmm. is not even there. Yeah. While they're, like, distracted with the Hulk, Nebula is hacking their shit up and getting everything ready for Thanos from the past to show up here. Yeah. They, they, no character. I mean, yeah, Scarlett Johansson dies, but there's no one that goes, like, that was a little too easy. <laughs> Do we think there could be ramifications from this? So, snaps his fingers. People are back. I have in my notes. They done it. People are back. And well, then, we know Linda Cardellini is back. I do love. I remember turning to you and saying, like, uh, Paul Rudd goes to see if the Earth's different <laughs> or the planet's different, and then like the trees and plants are more lively and green. <laughs> Gotta love it. I guess it's true. If he killed every living being and the half of every living organism in the universe, you would and, affect the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do they eat? I mean. I think that they're really would be, shitty meat or is it, it like uh it's just interstellar less... where all they can grow is corn and, and okra dust. and dust. Anyway, people are back, but it, y'all are getting way too excited, way too quick. You know, something's going to follow up because there's an hour left of the movie. <laughs> I think I like went to the menu to see how much time was left. And I was nah, <laughs> everything clears up the ships there, the big old Thanos ship. And it's just like immediate, just raining down gunfire. They blow up the Avengers headquarters. I think it's like Ant-Man, Hulk, 
Rocket Raccoon and someone else get trapped. War Machine. Yeah, yeah, they get trapped in the bottom where everything's flooding, and then the tumultuous trio of Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man make their way out and confront Thanos, and who's just chilling there. This is Thanos without the gauntlet, mm-hmm. so they should be able to kick his ass pretty easily. It's a three-on-one handicap match, and they still like all get the shit beat out of Especially them. Especially because when he had the gauntlet, he was almost defeated by a lesser team of Avengers. Yes. They had Iron Man, but they also had like the girl with the antennas, and they had Drax. <laughs> I mean, these are no Captain Americas or Thors, so the three biggest Avengers should be able to take care of this guy really quickly. And they had Elizabeth Olsen just, no! <laughs> Uh, Thanos shows up, blows shit up. Then, because of this, Gamora and the Nebulae go <laughs> scrounging about. Oh, and Hawkeye is kind of just on his own. Right. Like, Hawkeye right, fell where the gauntlet Fighting fell. like the alien dogs and whatnot. Yeah, and he's got a hold of that. So, the Nebula and Gamora confront Hawkeye, and they want the gauntlet back. And then the other Nebula, she, she loopers herself. Right. She comes out and shoots like her time paradox version in the chest. Which I was kind of disappointed. We don't. Do we see her again? Uh, good Nebula. Yeah. I mean, I guess the surviving Nebula. She's at the end in the ship when they're when they're leaving to okay. the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I could have done of her with the Bruce Willis face and then just disappearing <laughs> from existence. But at this point, uh, Gamora realizes that she can't continue to help Thanos. Like everything's fucked up, and she, he'll just wipe out half of the universe. So they have the gauntlet. They're trying to get it to where it needs to go, which I think at this point they're just trying to get it back into the time machine. Well, they don't know yet. It's not going to oh, be. Oh, they're just trying to protect it. Right. We have an hour left. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't even seen that. Hawkeye doesn't even know that Thanos is out there, I think. Okay, so we get our three-on-one battle, which the big reveal of it is that Captain America now possesses the possesses the power to wield the, the hammer of Thor. Because Thor has his axe that... Um, Peter Dinklage and Groot made for him. Yes. Like a fucking first grader makes a macaroni <laughs> Christmas tree. And uh, This is really weird that when exactly what made Captain America suddenly be able to to wield Thor's hammer? What exactly put him over the edge to where like, okay, now he's worthy, you know, because in, in Age of Ultron, he could barely lift it. Mm-hmm. He moved it. So he's, he's closer to it than anybody else. But. But he still, you know, he couldn't do what he was doing now in, no. in this fight. So what is it? What Was it the support group? Like putting in the community service hours that just really like boosts your numbers of worthiness? He, yeah, he just like, uh, he got his game shark and entered <laughs> in the the code to have that. Um, so they beat up Thanos for a bit and then Thanos beats them up. <laughs> for another bit. It's a Memphis style main event. The heels getting some heat on the, the baby face. <laughs> and then, and then Thanos like, I guess tags a hundred people. Yes. <laughs> to come in and help him. When, that's the thing I did love about it w- was made that kind of more badass is like, he was winning. He was like beating the shit out of him. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> come my, my, my minions, my pretties. And so then it looks the darkest hour, the hour of despair. The galaxy is about to crumble. The Avengers have failed once again. Captain America has half a shield. And then everyone that has ever been in a movie that's ever been made, not just Marvel, any movie that's ever been made shows up. Uh, Kevin Spacey from that uh, Superman movie shows up. Uh, (laughs) Who was Superman? That Brandon something? Brandon Routh. Yeah, Um, Brandon Routh is there. uh, Dolph Lundgren from the Punisher movie (laughs) walks through one of the portals. 
Uh, Gene Hackman shows up. Yeah, but because they reversed everything, everyone's back. And uh, Doctor Strange and his group of wizards open all the different portals and everyone comes walking out. My favorite is uh, T'Challa. And uh, I think he has a sister with him. His sister and uh, and his right-hand woman yeah. you know, from The Walking Dead. But they, they're they the only ones that, like, realize what they're walking into. Everyone else is, like, really excited and doing, like, their trademark poses. And then the people from Wakanda are like, this is where we die. <laughs> they even do the death cry. Yeah. Boom by A. Yeah. That's it. Everyone shows up and we get, like, a – it's the closing of the – intro of the x-men animated series where the the heel <laughs> stable is running at the face stable and then they collide in the middle and then i just have so much going on like because this goes on forever and it's essentially a game of catch uh, capture the flag right capture with, the gauntlet with death implied <laughs> where so hawkeye has the gauntlet and then spider-man has the gauntlet and then the black valkyrie panther. has it black panther yeah and they're all fighting. And of course, because everything's reversed, all of Thanos' guys are there again. His Crypt Keeper right-hand man, and he's got his big monsters and shit. And uh, then also even the flying squids from, from the... The first Avengers. It's uh, everything. It's like when people figured out how to hack Doom, and then they made like those <laughs> levels that just has everything in the game on one board. It's also in this huge action sequences, kind of like on the corners, not often, like right up front. That's when you see like a lot of the good guy killing bad guys thing mm-hmm. happening. But there's one, this one, this horrible shot of the Falcon, like just using his his wings to just stab somebody in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> that guy goes on to become Captain America. <laughs> Anthony Mackie doesn't play around, man. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you're looking at because none of it's real. It's just <laughs> he didn't really kill someone, guys. It's okay. No, and those are not real wings. No, nothing's real. Well, Anthony Mackie is real. His face Maybe is he's real. Not- we don't know. It's just a bunch of... Was Linda Cardellini real ever? She's the only real thing in this movie. Anchoring. Um, there's the moment where Doctor Strange and Tony Stark come face to face, and he tells him, he's like, you know, you told me in the last movie, there's only 14, <laughs> or there's 14 million scenarios, only one that we win. Is this it? And then Doctor Strange, like the annoying and like pretentious, intelligent person, he's like... I can't tell you, otherwise it won't happen. Which is bullshit. Because now that we know how it, what happens, he could have told him. Yeah. You know, at least just make it quick. It's like, Tony, well, he, the way we win is you die. He does tell him. <laughs> he does tell him. When like Tony realizes what he has to do, and <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch just does the one at him. Okay, but he waited until... The it would have been great second. if he did the one and then did the finger gun to his head and did the trigger. <laughs> or like across his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, just a bunch of horse shit going on, and then the uh, there's some there's another you know hashtag feminism comes back to save the day momentarily. Yes. yes, all the women unite and kind of pave the way, and then also Chris Pratt and Gamora reunited, but she's from the past, so she doesn't know that they fall in love. So she kicks him in the balls twice or knees him. What was Chris? Pr- he was working by the like hour in this movie. His. <laughs> his uh or excuse me he was not working by the hour in this he i guess he was just like 50k i'll I'll say four lines he was he was going back and forth between this and uh jurassic world 2 oh i he, forgot he was in that he was splitting himself into and two franchises guy. uh this is like an all-out battle and yet somehow 
there's time for like the reunions. It's not just Chris Pratt and Gamora. Chris Pratt's kind of an idiot, so I, I kind of buy it. But even then, in pro wrestling, when there's the reunions, you have to give like logical reason why everyone else is laid out at ringside. Right? No, here Spider Man. He, for one thing, like he takes his mask off as soon as he arrives. <laughs> it's just like, hey guys, I'm Peter Parker. Thanos <laughs> is there, looking at him, knowing like. <laughs> He could cause imminent danger and death to everyone he loves, and he's just, you know, he, like, whips it up and winks at the camera. And <laughs> It is me. Uh, but, but yeah. yeah, he finds a moment to just go and, and, and talk to Tony Stark. They hug all around. People are dying everywhere. And the other thing is, what's going on in the rest of the world? Because I was thinking, is this really localized to just this one moment, or did, did Thanos just send people everywhere how is the government reacting because it's not like the avengers headquarters like hidden it's not like a fortress of solitude right it's like a government operated agency yeah you would think the u.s military would have helped at some point in time how many people died during this battle that we and just how many see, people like... knew this was going on because there right. were no news trucks there yeah and nobody knew that the avengers were doing this thing yeah so it's like you're just going about your day you finally come into terms after five years with the fact that your loved ones disappeared and then suddenly one they appear again and two you're getting like rain fire from from thanos yeah. like, not again <laughs> uh it's the therapist in Terminator 3 when he sees Arnold just takes <laughs> off running he's like I'm done but it looks like everyone's gonna lose after all these mushy reunions the moment of feminism everything's going well uh, but then Thanos because uh, he's getting his ass kicked by Elizabeth Olsen he's like fuck this this isn't I'm not getting I'm not getting my ass kicked on screen by Elizabeth Olsen just make it rain fire and so the ships start just blowing everything up and then in the moment of darkest despair, when it really looks like everything is going to be uh, going Thanos' way, Captain Marvel reappears. And um, one of my favorite things in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which, by the way, you called me out on Twitter about that. I don't love that movie. I was hoping that you would say something okay. there to correct me. I was baiting you. I oh, wasn't, I see. Uh, yeah. There are things I like about it. One of them <laughs> is when... Wolverine like falls from the he jumps on that sentinel and like they fly into the stratosphere and then it comes back down and then the way he kills it is he flies back down to the stratosphere and then like shoots through it. Uh, that's in the video game. That's not in the movie. I was about to say sentinels. That's uh, you only see sentinels in uh, the third movie. Yeah. So that was in. So the X Men. <laughs> Are you sure Wolverine... you like X Men Origins or do you just like the video? Game? I think it's the video game. <laughs> anyway, he shoots through the head like he falls from the stratosphere and shoots through it, and that's what happens here. Brie Larson comes and just like uses her body to fly. Th- she does the Randy Quaid. She just like flies into the mouth of the beast and blows this uh, vessel up, and it's awesome. She's got this fucking smoking hot haircut. Yeah, Brie Larson, Chef's Kiss. She saves the day, or does she? <laughs> so well, basically. The, Thanos the, is inevitable. Right. The Brie Larson is... He's told you this. <laughs> they still think they can do something. Brie Larson is the most powerful being in the universe, unless she's fighting Thanos in this reality. Because mm-hmm. uh, she kicked his ass earlier in the movie. She was like the first line of offense. But uh, yeah, here she she doesn't put up much of a fight once he gets in a one-on-one with him. No, it, it is... Is it right here where he tries to headbutt her in his head, just like Ricochet's back? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. But he gets the gauntlet back, and they're doing everything they can to stop it. And yeah. this is where, you know, 
Tony, it, it all comes to a head. Yeah, and Tony, <laughs> Tony looks at Benedict Cumberbatch and he gives him the. He mimes putting the noose around his neck, and then he, he tells him, you know, there's only one way this goes, and uh, they tussle over the gauntlet. And I guess what happens in the process is Tony just strips away all the stones and then puts them on his own. Yeah, suit. which. I mean, I, I understand that this was a gauntlet that he had designed, so that might make it a little easier for him to do it. Mm-hmm. But still, if you might remember, Infinity War, every time that that Thanos grabbed the stone and put it on the gauntlet, it was like this big cutscene where he was just like flexing, goes like, ah, oh, right? And then e- even here in this movie, he puts on the gauntlet a couple of times before like somebody takes it off and he goes rolling. But every time he puts it on, he also flexes and goes, ah. Oh. Here, we're supposed to believe that Tony Stark managed to very sneakily take all six stones, never flexed, not once. It's uh, <laughs> and Thanos didn't even notice that his gauntlet got really, really light. The guy in Reindeer Games that sets everything up, like the slow mo shot of him putting the blood capsule in his mouth. That's <laughs> here. If we had the moment of explanation after this, we'll see Tony Stark just slowly peeling away all the stones, <laughs> the frame by frame. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets them. Uh, they trade catchphrases. He says, "I am inevitable." He snaps his fingers. Nothing happens. Cut to Tony Stark, his hands becoming emblazed with all the uh, Infinity Stones. And he says, and I am Iron Man. And he snaps his fingers. You done, Thanos. Goodbye, Josh Brolin. Him and his whole (laughs) army are, they fade from existence. They turn into dust. Presumably, not just his whole army, his whole race. All bad people. (laughs) I mean, Tony Stark, he's kind of a petty guy. I can't imagine that he just limited the, the extermination, the mass murder to the people that happened to be invading planet Earth. I no. think he just went all out and whatever race uh, Thanos is, is a Titan? I don't know. I think yeah. all, there's no more Titans Titan. yeah. in the universe. But in doing that, you know, because it almost killed Thanos and it really damaged uh, uh, the Hulk really badly. And Tony Stark still at the end of the day is just a normal man. So this really was – he had to sacrifice himself for this. It was the end game. And, and he dies. Uh, like someone has to peel away Spider-Man so that his <laughs> wife can get in there for his last moments. There's like, everybody gets in line. Don Cheadle is first in line. What the hell? I, I agree. Everybody should have just ushered Gwyneth Paltrow yes. there first, but, and then he dies holding the hand of his wife and fades away. And then we cut to uh, his funeral and he left a pre-recorded message about, you know, because he knew this whole thing could really go awry, and, and certainly it did. Um, and discussing that, you know, life's a, you got to make sacrifices. You can't always get a happy ending. And then they have the temerity to have this amazing line about a movie that uh, is just going to be replicated over and over again when he says part of the journey is the end. <laughs> they had the nerve to use this in this movie. But it's, I mean... That is the attitude of the entire movie, right? The entire movie is is trying to sell you that this is the biggest event in the history of the universe, in parentheses, until the next one. <laughs> and, and, and therefore, it has the right to get away with whatever it wants. So if Hawkeye is going to murder a whole bunch of people and not go on trial afterwards, well, that's fine because, you know, it was the end game. <laughs> <laughs> if Tony Stark is going to, you know, eliminate... You know, mass murder, all the all the bad guys invading. That's okay because it was the end game, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, anything that you need to, if you have a problem with anything, the way that things happen, uh, it was the end game, man. It was Hawkeye was obviously uh, sleeping with uh, with the Black Widow, <laughs> and, and then there's this funeral, and I kind of feel like there are a lot of people that just kind of got in there, 
as plus ones and mm-hmm. some people that got in there. Yeah, it's like this it, long panning old boy shot like in the, the hallway. I don't think that you should you don't earn the right to be there unless you were actually in the fight. So when you see Linda Cardellini <laughs> there. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas. Apparently some kid from Iron Man from 3. From Iron Man 3. It's like, you guys shouldn't be there. That's uh, This was just for active Avengers only. <laughs> uh, Thor goes back to Asgard, uh, but he leaves it in the hands of the Valkyrie. I forget her proper name. Uh, the Valkyrie. Yes. Tessa Thompson. Okay. Leaves her. She's the new queen. She's the heir to the throne as he feels he has other things to do and offer. And he goes and joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's his journey. His journey was to realize that he didn't really want to be Thor anymore. He just wanted to be a Guardian of the Galaxy. He just he needs to be a part of a team. That's what he needs in his life. Captain America vows to return the stones. It's him in the woods somewhere with the Hulk and uh, Anthony Mackie and Bucky. And he explains, you know, when we send him back, it'll be about 10 seconds our time, but he can take as long as he needs. So he sends him back to return the stones. This what- doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you send him with backup? Why are you? I mean, I know he's Captain America, but I mean, we've seen that Captain America is not infallible. He has weakness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not invincible. Uh, Falcon offers. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you might need you might need a, a hand there. Cap's like, no, this is on me. Why? <laughs> they send him back in time and. Chris Evans cosplaying Jimmy Carter returns as this was the inception trick of, you know, we use time displacement and he went and just chose to live his life and not be a superhero. And he married his gal, which is, I would imagine that the complete opposite message that you would get from Tony Stark sacrificing himself to save the planet. Mm -hmm. Right. If nothing else, earth is now weaker because it lost one of its (laughs) biggest defenders. And, Captain America is just like, eh, you know what? I think that it's time to retire. And Falcon is like, well, that sucks because we could use a Captain America. And then Cap goes like, well, that's why I brought you the shield. (laughs) I like Anthony Mackie, but he's no Chris Evans. I mean. Anthony Mackie's like, but this belongs to someone else. And he goes, no one knows that. He's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) So he. The entire time, Bucky's watching from afar like. Uh, I lost this arm for what? <laughs> so Anthony Mackie's a new Captain America. And then roll the credits. Is that the last thing we see? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because then we see him dancing. Yeah, we fade back to the 60s or whenever it would have been when he's with his gal. And uh, these, I just have in all caps, what the fuck are these credits? These just <laughs> endless over-the-top credits of like, it's every supporting character. There are, I counted, there are four with credits. <laughs> and is, fittingly. Is it, is it William Hurt, uh, Michael Douglas? Robert Redford. Robert Redford. And Chris Pratt. And Chris Pratt? No, and Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson's and. Oh, okay. okay. Deservingly so, Sam Jackson gets the and credit. But Five then we're not done. <laughs> we're not done. The credits keep going. We get these profile shots of all the Avengers proper and then their signature over the screen. It's just the level the music of, is just built <laughs> just a sense of I told you like they're selling to you like this is it Don't you, this is the closest you're gonna get to get an autograph from these guys and so. then like right afterwards it's like see you in two months when you come back to the trough to feed for Spider-Man <laughs> so anyway that was Avengers Endgame it was it was the Endgame it was three hours that felt like six hours because 
I had to keep pausing to explain things to Alex. And then in the process of explaining to him, I realized that they didn't make any sense. So I had to explain it to myself. Good times. Are you ready for real talk, Alex? Oh, absolutely. Everybody wants a happy ending, right? But it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time. I'm hoping if you play this back, it's in celebration. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get it back and something like a normal version of the planet has been restored. If there ever was such a thing. Universe now. If you told me 10 years ago that we weren't alone, let alone, you know, to this extent, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised, but come on, who knew? The epic forces of darkness and light that have come into play. And for better or worse, that's the reality Morgan's gonna have to find a way to grow up in. So I thought I'd probably better record a little greeting in the case of an untimely death on my part. I mean, not that death at any time isn't untimely. This time travel thing that we're going to try and pull off tomorrow, it's, it's, it's got me scratching my head about the survivability of a home. That's the thing. And again, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. I love you 3,000. And we are recording for Real Talk for Avengers Endgame. 22 movies. Right? Is that how many there were previous to this? I think so. I think if you count, I think maybe it was 20 before Infinity War, and then they released Anna and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Therefore, 22. Yippee. Avengers Endgame. Released on April 26th of this year, the year of our Lord 2019. Uh, the year oh, the game ended. Oh my God. I didn't read that. The budget was $350 million. I guess that makes sense. But uh, I mean, you, you got to pay you, for those computer screens somehow. You got to pay for brawling. <laughs> That's right. I'm not waking up and getting all that shit on for nothing. <laughs> uh, budget, like I said, of around 2.8 billion dollars billion with a b obviously making it the highest grossing whatever movie you want to say of all time although they say that joker isn't joker like a bigger money maker when you factor in you know budget versus uh profit uh i'll have to look it up i don't i don't know i don't want to look that up because it'll make you (laughs) angry I, i don't care it's uh, I know it's the, it's now the highest grossing R-rated movie of all yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Joker, comparatively speaking, God, just the fucking poster makes me shake my head. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The budget was like seventy million, and it, I didn't realize it made a billion dollars. So, yep. yeah, the ratio is higher, but still three billion dollars. <laughs> Joey Diaz said once of the UFC when they uh, the UFC sold. Two, three years ago, a group of Chinese investors bought it for $4 billion. And uh, 
they were having trouble finding like they were having trouble trying to get Conor McGregor to fight. The whole point is I was trying to use my inflection like Joey Diaz because he's like, for four billion dollars, I'll eat a scab off an Iranian's head right now. <laughs> Uh, that's how much Disney paid for Star Wars was four billion. So you put that into perspective. That made this movie being released would have almost made that whole investment back. It's insane. But there is much to discuss here. There is so much to discuss. I now let's go ahead and launch into let's just get the quotes out of the way for people that didn't like it because I think one of the hardest things I've tried to decipher with people because I joke. And like, I'm so like condescending about these. I do not hold any ill will towards these movies or the actors involved. In most cases, I find them enjoyable. It's like more or less the the meaning of them. So I say that to say, I don't think I'm going to agree with these people. I'm curious what people were cutting this down over if they actually critiqued the movie or if they were just being like me of like, bah. I think that you probably more likely to agree with Scorsese. I actually, did you ever read his, his follow-up? You know, he got uh, sort of, uh, gotcha questioned into <laughs> into saying like the original Marvel statement and then the internet went crazy and then he had to release like an editorial where he's like okay this is what I meant and I read it and it was like I mean you didn't need to explain yourself yeah and now that you're explaining yourself it makes even more sense that you would say this but it basically it's kind of like what you were saying which is I can recognize the work that was put into and I understand why people like it I don't and if people want to vilify me for that, well, I, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. What it really upsets me is what they do to the to the industry. Yes, which is I understand that too, but I think it works both ways because I think that not him, but I think there are people that because of what it's doing to the industry, then they automatically reject the movies as anything worth uh, of any worth. Which th- that's it's a. Very sharp double-edged sword. Right. Because that that's not fair either. Because like, as we'll talk about, emotionally, I I was able to get things out of these movies. But I still will remain steadfast in my opinion that it's creating and causing issues. I think that it's, there is the matter of like personal taste as far as like, okay, how much of this works for me just because I'm a person, you know, that has, you know, the Adventureland thing. I, I'm just keep going back to that because I remember thinking about it. Back then, as in like, this movie hits me a very special way because of my life and my experiences. Uh, In addition to just how much does it hit me because just of the way it's crafted, you know, independent of my experiences. I've always gotten shit for loving the first Thor. People are like, yeah, it's okay. But uh, that's part of it. (laughs) I'm also a hopeless romantic. And that that movie relies really heavily that if you're that way, it's going to resonate with you. Yeah. And then then there's the whole, okay, independent of the movie, what is the movie doing to the world? And how do I feel about that? So does that influence how I feel about the movie? You know, and all that's, but it's, those That's, are all separate things, and I think that sometimes when we try to simplify the discourse by you know just taking one aspect of it, yeah, uh, which I admit I don't know, I wasn't in the room. To me, it always felt like Scorsese like got tricked into answering kind of a complex question it's, in a very simple way. He didn't think about it, and then you know I have nothing but sympathy for uh, Scorsese in that situation because it's like no one asked to hear what Martin Scorsese <laughs> thinks about Marvel movies. And he was just honest with it. And then people uh, who are way too hypersent, that is like uh, the internet has given people a platform to be outraged over things they don't need to be outraged about. And that's a big example of that, which is funny. Did you see what Alan Moore said? 
No. Like his was so much more visceral, but no one like went after him with torches and pitchforks. I think that he just I, called him pathetic and like disgusting. And Elamore is more niche. I think that if you've read Watchmen, you know what his opinion of superheroes are. <laughs> exactly. So coming up next episode. <laughs> oh, God. These are going to be some heavy episodes. I tell you what. So let's get the quotes. If this is your first time listening, when we get into real talk, this one's going to be a little bit different because I don't think we're going to be tackling just Endgame as a movie. It's more or less we'll be discussing. Uh, a lot of this Marvel franchise. And uh, I also have some thoughts on uh, the movies I watched along the way for this, particularly Black Panther. So awesome. Let's hop into it. All right. So first off, just some rotten quotes. There's so many reviews. So even, you know, because sometimes you'd say 94%, that means that you had only like two rotten (laughs) quotes in there, but no, because everybody and their mother reviewed Avengers Endgame. So there was actually like a fair amount of uh, rotten quotes. Grabbed a handful, just like I did in Constraints Corner. These are all rotten, starting with Chris McCoy from Memphis Flyer, who says, As the dust clears, Disney stands like Thanos astride Earth 616. They have won, but what kind of world is left behind? <laughs> that says nothing about the movie. But <laughs> uh, Jason DeRosso from ABC News Australia. Wrong. You wonder how so much talent, underwritten by such an obscenely large budget, doesn't trigger more pathos. What, Dan- what is pathos? Like drama. Okay. Dana Sloan from Mediaversity Reviews. I try to use as many big words as I can on here. I'm learning one today. Uh, Endgame fails its female characters by de- devaluing them and forgets its characters of color entirely. I disagree about the female characters. Characters of color, I mean, you get, you know, Wakanda showing up for the end, but it's kind of kind of built into, you know, is it Endgame's fault that it just took things to its logical conclusion? You know, you didn't have a black founding Avenger, so you're kind of like stuck with the founding Avengers that you had. Yeah, that that one's, as my thoughts on Black Panther will show, I, I have to preface these with the idea of I, I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong and out of line for speaking it because I'm not a person of color. I'm not a woman, that type of thing. This is just kind of how I interpret it. So that is that applies to me as well. <laughs> I I am also fallible. <laughs> You're still a POC though. You have a little bit that of a different true. perspective. That is true. Yeah. Where is where is my Peruvian Avenger? Still <laughs> waiting. Twenty two movies. Avengero. Uh, <laughs> where is now. the Captain America? <laughs> um, Anthony Lane from the New Yorker says you can easily duck out during the middle hour, do some shopping, and slip back into your seat for the climax. You won't have missed a thing. Except all the emotional stuff. <laughs> all the emotional manipulation in the second hour of the movie. <laughs> Finally, Chris Barsanti from Eyes Wide Open says, it's official. We've been had. Wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> These guys are even more cold and cynical than I am. Um, so as we launch into this, I feel it's important for me to call out, I'm wrong. My thoughts on this are clearly wrong because they're these are this whole idea of this marvel cinematic universe is creating a system and a monopolization of moviegoers and money and pop culture that has hitherto been uh unforeseen Bravo. as uh <laughs> dr strange would say i still have thoughts on it and it's not even just like no, but I think that you could say you're wrong in the financial sense, as in like don't put me in charge of a major franchise. Because yeah, I'll end it after three movies because I know that people 
that's always their immediate a lot, a lot of people with no valid argument their throwback well it made three billion dollars it's like okay i can see that that but this is my issue with that so i'm glad they make this money i'm glad that historically disenfranchised things like black people having a superhero movie is now a thing which is awesome and women getting their own superhero movies and like you know girls can dress up as captain marvel and stuff like that that's all cool but still i think there's and all these actors getting work is awesome and making money but there's still issues i have with them afoot i just want to kind of preface with all that that there is some good that comes from this and obviously i'm in the minority of people that don't like necessarily what it is but now we can proceed that I've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> My quote that I have in relation to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, its participants, its undertakings, and everything there within encapsulated. Hitherto. Uh, <laughs> hitherto unforeseen. <laughs> or, no, that's a that's a double. Uh, what is, he says, like, hitherto unknown or whatever. That's a quote from Infinity War that I got a huge kick out of. Uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's a little careerist, it's a little square, and it's a little sad. Julio, do you know what that quote's from? Uh, God, it doesn't help that you did the like the cadence, the, the cadence. <laughs> so now I'm just I'm just trying to figure out if, if you were like actually mimicking someone. You need or... a beard and my hair to the. I would need a beard with my hair to the side, and I'd have a cigarette, and you would be uh, Carrie Mulligan. Fuck, fuck. Uh, <laughs> hang on. Are you a Cohen brother? I'm not the Cohen brother, but I'm in a Cohen brothers movie. Are you Oscar Isaac? Yes. He was fucking Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and he hated it. Haven't you ever heard him talk about it? Yeah, but I understand why he would hate it. His reason, too, for taking on the movie is exactly what I'm speaking to about people approaching these in like the right sense. His whole thing was just. Yeah, I'll do it. Say I was in an X-Men movie and I get to work with like Michael Fassbender and all these really good actors. But then that didn't even happen. Yeah, like, that's so. I mean, Oscar Isaac is like an extreme case. You know, I'm not he, quoting he, Oscar Isaac. I'm quoting Lewin Davis. All right. <laughs> that's I that quote came to mind when I was thinking oh, about awesome. these. And that 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 is kind of how I feel about it. But. With all of the relenting a-listers past present and future that have been in these movies it really is just can't beat them join them type thing and i i think so i think there's some of it i i, I would imagine if you're if you're in the industry right now you kind of have to feel like wow i would be really dumb to pass up this offer right and then some people go and they have good experiences and some people go and have terrible experiences mm -hmm. oscar isaac um reportedly i guess uh Terrence Howard, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but I, I think there's that, and I, I, I think I did pull up the the Scorsese thing, and uh -huh. I think since we're going into this area first, I think okay. I, I can I can read a little bit of what he had because you know the big the big to do was that he called it, he said it wasn't cinema, and then you know like I said he had to go and and explain, um, and I really like like. What he says, I mean, it's it's just funny. I want to say, like, dude, we're talking about the same thing. We agree. We just don't agree in the exact same words. Yeah. You know, he says, uh, for me, for the filmmakers I came to love and respect, for my friends who started making movies around the same time that I did, cinema was about revelation, aesthetic, emotional, spiritual revelation. It was about characters, the complexity of people and their contradictory and sometimes paradoxical natures, the way they can hurt one another and love one another and suddenly come face to face with themselves. I was like... I don't want to compare like the Irishman to Avengers Endgame or Taxi Driver to like Iron Man or whatever. But it compared but, 
The Departed to <laughs> Doctor Strange. The Departed Doctor Strange, Wolf of Wall Street to Infinity War. And <laughs> Infinity War is better than... But, I mean, to me, this is just very basic. I think that once you fall into the trap, and I'm not saying that Scorsese fell into it. He was kind of, like, dragged into it, and then he kind of had to, like, find his way out. And he had the good will to fucking respond. Right, And even right. then people, yeah. Yeah, but... He responded like an adult. And yeah. Probably just made more people mad. I think that when you when you get into the business of defining what art is, you're in a losing proposition because, like we've said for 99 episodes now, <laughs> it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you boil it down to aesthetic, emotional, spiritual revelations about contradictions, about people hurting one another, that's in these movies that we're watching. I mean, two different levels of complexity, Very- but the stuff is there. You know, if you're talking about like human nature and and recognizing core human like values, you know, that kind of stuff. It's there. It's in a Marvel movie. It's in a Chaplin movie. It's in a Pixar movie. You know, some of it feels more adult than others. Some of it goes much further in the complexity of, you know, how difficult these things can be to examine. But in the end, you know, is it cinema? There's no full movie of the this. Again, I feel like an asshole saying MCU. There's no movie <laughs> that the entire length of it tackles anything serious. The closest it comes is the middle of Black Panther. Like the middle portion of that is the closest of any of these movies that I've seen. I've maybe not seen five of them at this point. <laughs> but, I think more than that. Uh, but that's the closest one that comes to actually trying to say something. And that's why I appreciate and respect it. But at the same time, I understand what he's saying because these people are not trying to make departed or taxi driver or uh, not just to, you know, ride Marty too hard, but you know, up in the air or (laughs) movies like that. They're not trying to make something that makes us think about ourselves, but they're trying to make very low risk, very non-challenging gruel that people will go and slurp up in mass. But I think that when you gruel has such a negative connotation, what's a, a pancakes? Let's just say that uh, somebody called them like junk food. Again, it's, it does have a connotation, but still, it, it, we'll say pancakes. Pancakes. Everybody loves pancakes. Yeah, uh, more of a waffle person myself, but I let's go with pancakes. You always have to be difficult. <laughs> but I think that doing so really. You know, it simplifies it to his detriment. Just the same way that, you know, we keep going with Marty because, you know, I just quoted him. He was like at the eye of the storm, so to speak. It's like simplifying uh, Scorsese's filmography. It's like, well, it's all about violence or it's all about the mob. There's more to it. That's also unfair because you're tackling one filmmaker versus the entire, like, rogues gallery that they have here with the Marvel movies. See, I would... It's something that I always agree, and I don't think that it's negative, though. It's that it's, I, forgot, I was reading over. Fucking Kenneth Branagh directed a Marvel movie. Yeah, but that's. I think that that's fine. You know that they. There's nothing. There hasn't been nothing like it before. Well, I guess not necessarily. Maybe like you know back in the days of like the studios when it was just not like the authorial voice of the director, but rather like the studio was putting together the team, and then you went on and make whatever. Like the right? Universal monster movies. And stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So here, I mean, you have Marvel, and you know there is a vision. It's not the vision of Kenny Branagh or the vision of John Favreau or even the Rus- the Russo brothers. I think that they're they're definitely integral to the way that it gets executed. But if nothing else, you know, you're talking about like the Marvel vision, and that's a thing, and it's valid. Is it primarily led by the the idea that well, we need to make money, and we need to make as much money as possible? Sure, but I think that we can't discount that. We can't use like oh, it's it's primarily there to make money as a way to automatically disqualify it from being anything else. No, because I think there's good acting and there's good cinematic pieces despite 
the people behind it. I think I think the people in charge of the shit don't really care of the quality of it. I think they just know at this point. That's how you get Thor Ragnarok of people that don't really care what the output is. And you're just going to shoehorn in a bunch of comedy that doesn't make any sense and just draw out these long sequences just so you can make sure you hit the two hour mark. So people will come and just in droves because they know they're going to make money ever since Guardians of the Galaxy. They know no matter what they put out, it's going to make money until people just get tired of this in general. But what is Thor Ragnarok besides being a comedy? No, it's a movie about a guy that's trying to find like what he is going to do. You know, now that everybody's gone, you know, it's like his father is gone. That's not funny. <laughs> but that's what the movie's about underneath like the comedy underneath that. But that's all the movie is, is just bad jokes. And like, <laughs> I, I don't mean to like just go after this one, but Thor Ragnarok to me, I watched that. And that was the greatest example of just like, this, this is nothing. This is just, they know if they put Chris Hemsworth with a weapon, it, people are going to go nuts and just go and see it. And- I think that, I think that there are people whose job is to do that. And, and that's what they care about. And then there are people that are actually making the movie who try to do that in a way that actually transcends somewhat. I think I think that you're right that there are people that are saying, "Hey, the next Thor needs to be funnier," and uh, you know, just make sure you get Loki back to a big like to a prominent role. Make sure you get a uh, cameo from at least a couple other MCU people so we mm-hmm. can get the tie-ins. Uh, make sure that you know Jeff Goldblum has he's be he's gonna be a big get. Make sure you have like a strong female character get that Valkyrie there. Uh, make sure you hit all those boxes and uh, here's the money. This is how much we expected to make back. And then there are people, the artists that come in and take that and they're like, all right, how can we make the best version of this and what can we say with this? And I think that, I mean, you don't have to get what they were trying to say. Like it doesn't have to resonate with you, you know, because. Obviously, if the comedy doesn't work for you, then it's a lot harder to like it. If you don't like Jesse Eisenberg, it's a lot harder to connect with Adventureland. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't find Thor Ragnarok funny, it's a lot harder to connect with anything else I has to say. But if you find it funny, I, I think that there's more to like the character of Thor. Again, it's, this is not like the Irishman, you know, where you're not talking about a complex character that goes over decades trying to analyze and has to live with the That's, choices. You're, but, but you're like leading into my next point. There's no purpose for having 20 movies like that. I think there is when you look at the big picture. I think that I when really you, wish I had written down so many things because like my mind's <laughs> just like it's like a, uh, a monkey with the symbols right now. I think that when you have when you look at it and I'm not saying that all 22 of those movies are good. There's some like horrible movies in there, and there's some that are just like okay, but but the idea that you have a story that goes Iron Man one all the way to Avengers Endgame, and that that charts a path for certain characters, charts a path for Steve Rogers, for Tony Stark, for Thor, and even for the universe in general. I mean, I think that that I always get goosebumps in the moment where like you have like the big uh, X Men animated intro, yeah, because. It's kind of like this the summary of like, okay, where we are. You know, we started with no characters and now we have fucking like an army. Which I guess the point is, if that's it, that was earned and warranted. But that's not it. But these are they're gonna keep making these over and over and over. They've already announced another 10 years worth of it. And up until this point, if really if that was the like the coupe de grasse. Like the the day Dumont, if that was it, with all them charging at each other, that would have been worth it. And like me watching that, knowing that this is it. But even me, I would have been like, fuck yes. <laughs> but I'm watching it and like 
this doesn't mean anything. But that was it for Iron Man. That was it for Captain America. That fine, but it's it's not it. It's like uh, that would be such a noble way to end it. And again, how dare they have such a good line to end this movie on about uh, part of the journey is the end? Because that's fantastic. But <laughs> like. Even still, if it was that 22 movie build to that moment, to this movie, and that was the conclusion, that was the blow off, uh, I would be f- like, I would still say eh, they did too much, but I would be like, I would concede that this is awesome and the perfect ending, but it just, it's not because that's where the artistic thing comes in, the artistic merit behind something. I think that if I'm certainly never going to speak for Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> but if I had any type of it's guess, Dr. Doolittle now. if I had any type of guess, he thought we've done as much as we can with Iron Man. This is it. No one has that train of thought at the studio. They're like, fuck it. We're just going to keep making these until they stop making us money. Until we stop making one cent of profit, we're going to keep making these movies. And that's where you pull away any semblance of integrity behind these. And I know we're talking about superhero movies, but, and like I said, I told you when we're not recording, I didn't want to do this, but the Nolan Batman trilogy, like, (laughs) come on, how can you look at that and then not understand the artistic merit? And I've backed way, way off of my love of dark Knight rises. But at the same time, it's like this dude had a vision, made this stuff, didn't really care about the money it made. The studio clearly did. And he made a fat paycheck. That's that is where the separation of art and just mass production goes. Yeah, but except that that's that's the difference between going to, you know, the uh, I'm blanking on the name. I was going to make a really good point. I went to this really <laughs> expensive steakhouse in New Orleans one time and spent one hundred dollars on a steak. The the place I went that time, that's what separates that from McDonald's. And basically, the Avengers franchise, the Marvel franchise, is becoming the fast food of movies to where you're lowering expectations and you're lowering quality so you can just continue to make more money. Yeah, but see, that's the part where I don't agree because I, I think that the system works the way that you're describing it. That's just how the business works. And I think that if you're Christopher Nolan, you can go like, well, I'm not doing any more of these. And I made enough of a goodwill that I have the power to shut it down. I'm sure there were people. That's you know, why that it's a bad to, analogy because he's one person. With these, they can just continue to find right. But that's but that's I don't think that they're like forcing anybody to do it. No, you know what I mean, yeah, because they it, know it's going to make money. Right, but but that's the thing. Like you said, the quality drops down. But until there is a quality drop, I don't see what the problem is. There is a quality drop. These this thing has lowered the bar of expectations so far. It's. It's like Lillian said, my sister, excuse me, and it really put it in perspective. She didn't realize how low the bar had fallen until she watched Joker and realized how many people thought it was some kind of intelligent movie. Like, because that's where we're at, that the mass consumption is these Marvel movies that and, you know, I'm sure I could find other things to pick on, too, in terms of this. But it's obviously the the shining star right now in and the the global cinematic scene have lowered. They're so non-challenging and so easy to consume that fucking Scorsese, Martin Scorsese had to do a movie with Netflix because he's having problems find uh, fun, finding people to fund shit. But that's all the business side, you know, that's, but that comes from this, this, that comes from these Marvel movies, lowering this bar of expectation in terms of like what people go to see. I want to go and not think, and I want to go and get my collector cup and watch this movie. And that's all fine and dandy. There's a place for that, but it's affecting everything 
else. Yes, but I think that you have to have some personal responsibility. You can't just blame, like, you know, it's like if everybody in the world started eating McDonald's, do you blame McDonald's or do you blame the people that are eating oh, McDonald's? No, and, you know, and you've put that onus breakfast. on me before, like <laughs> how I talk all their shit, but I, I don't really go out to these movies and stuff. It's like a good time's a great example. Like I talk about that movie so much that movie didn't do shit. <laughs> like no one went and saw that movie. Yeah, see, and yeah, so I do blame the people, right? But that's and that's the thing, like like we were just saying at the beginning. You know, I think that when the bleed over of like the problems we have with the industry and the problems we have with the with the audience, it starts bleeding over into us having problems with the movies. The movies are fine, you know. It's just that well, they're a victim of their own success. You know, it's like okay, let's say I'm not comfortable calling the McDonald's, but for the sake of of the analogy, <laughs> let's call them McDonald's. McDonald's didn't decline in quality you know it's like if you like mcdonald's mcdonald's is great and its taste is great if mcdonald's started tasting like shit instead of tasting like mcdonald's you know assuming that you like mcdonald's you know and you said well the problem is that they've spread out too much and they keep like making burgers then i would say you know i, I can see that but the marvel movies are the marvel movies i don't think that avengers i if anything i think they've gotten better i think that the last batch of them are much better than the, most of the stuff that came in the middle uh so to me if nothing else they've actually tried to do new things and that got it more interesting. It's still, you know, McDonald's, but they're just doing what they do. Is it... Do, they came do out they... with the big and tasty. <laughs> yeah. You know, they put out the McRib with Brie Larson every now and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, how responsible are they of what's happening to the market because of their success? I'm fully open to the idea that, well, maybe they should do more. You know, maybe they don't need to make that much money and the money that they make now, you know, they could use some of it to maybe foster projects that are not MCU related. Yeah. But but that is the business side. To me, yes. you know, Avengers Endgame stands on its own, or you know, any Marvel movie stands on its own, regardless of what's happening to the industry. Now, can you experience it like that? Of course not. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're aware of what's happening in the business, you bring that with you when you're watching the movie. So I understand that that's fucking Scorsese. When you keep reading down that article, it boils down to his problem is that, you know, he brings up the Irishman. He's like, my problem is that you don't have filmmakers that don't want to make Marvel movies. They're having trouble having their movies shown in theaters. It's a, yeah. And it's, the cycle is not going to break until the, until the bottom completely falls out. Like I keep going to my mind of like wrestling analogies. Cause that's a, what's happening in wrestling right now. It's the reason it all fucking sucks is because, uh, all the people that are coming in grew up watching like the stuff from the early 2000s and don't understand why it was good. That, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But the whole point is with wrestling is just like this until people stop paying until it bottoms out. That's like, not going to change. And what's happening right now is uh, I can only assume the majority of people that are getting into the film industry that want to make money think this is what they have to do to go up and do that. And so if not within exclusively the Marvel Cinematic Universe, different studios, different people are going to think this is what they need to do to succeed. The The amount of actors I saw in this, the only one like I really thought was just kind of tongue in cheek was Matt Damon. Like he was just like, <laughs> yes. I've got a spare five hours, you know, put a wig on me. I'll be in there. But seeing fucking Tilda Swinton and Kate Blanchett in these movies, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I mean, I don't know if this is, hey, I'm going to make this so I can show my kids something, or if this is an agent saying, you got to do this. This is this is where everything's going. Well, I think that it could be just as simple as I make the ones that make money so I can then take on stuff that doesn't make that much money. You Which know, is I just, fine, too. I just watched Scarlett Johansson, The Marriage Story. The Sandler I'm, approach. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure she did not make a whole lot of money out of Marriage yeah, Story. Fair point. But fuck, if, if being Black Widow in three or four movies means that we can get her on something like Marriage Story... Go for it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. so in that sense, I'm like, yeah, sure, they're good. I think that the 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 problem is that 
I mean, problem, so to speak, but it, we go through cycles and everybody gets their turn at being the bad guy whenever they disrupt the system. Mm -hmm. So I remember, you know, I mean, not as if I was living there, but the talks about how fucking Star Wars ruined everything, you know, because they made the blockbuster and it was the end of the 70s and the interesting like movies that were being made right there. Star Wars, Jaws, Spielberg. Uh, we survived the, the movie. They adapted. Everybody adapted. Everybody, and like you said, I guess the bottom fell out at some point, you know, yeah. and, and then new things came and replaced them. I don't think that... Uh, any single thing is going to end the way that we watch movies, the way that we, you know, experience them. It it will change it for a while and then eventually find a different way. Uh, that is one of the fascinating things about the 90s is like the bottom kind of fell out a lot of that shit in the 80s in terms of what you're speaking to. And so a lot of the 90s is like there's a lot of bad stuff. But like if you look at like the years of Best Picture nominees and stuff, the amount of quality that came out in the 90s, because that was what drew was these like big good movies right and the problem with this is or i don't problem listen you tell me right now i can have stock in that company <laughs> i'm out of here uh they figured out how to facilitate all these things we're talking about and they figured out how to make an a literal universe out of it and it's smart it's good marketing but a big thing is like you lose as a viewer for me like i was talking about knowing this isn't the end these movies, when I watched Iron Man, the first Iron Man, I had no idea they were really doing anything. But then I eventually like, read about it and like, yeah, it's going to be this five-year thing. And when the first Avengers ended, it was like, awesome. They tried this thing. It worked. <laughs> it was great. We're done. No. And then since then, every time I'm watching them, it's so hard to get invested in them because I know no matter what I'm watching right now, it's it's just inconsequential because they already have five movies planned down the line. And I know the immediate response that like uh, someone would have to me that's listened to this a lot would be like, but you like Friday the 13th. They didn't know they were going to make a sequel for every one of those they made. They just made then, it. And then I, I would say if you're watching, uh, you know, you have to. I know there's okay. we're just talking about Ozark. You're watching Ozark not knowing when it ends, mm -hmm. but you enjoy it. Yeah. You know, you don't know when it ends, in, but it's still you enjoy it in a serialized way. So you're making an interesting point because I remember telling you like, for me personally, a way this whole Marvel thing could work. Uh, I've watched all these movies and that is how I would personally like to consume them. It's not possible now. They can't. You've gone too far. You can't go back. <laughs> uh, but like, so let's say time was different and Disney Plus launched in coordination with the, the first Avengers movie. And then everything they wanted to do after that were like these, the serial on Disney Plus, like these one hour focuses on these superheroes. And then the theatrical releases were the Avengers. For me personally, that's something that I could really get behind and be interested in. Cause like I said, there is an hour in Black Panther that is <laughs> fucking incredible. The problem is there's another hour and 45 minutes in that movie or whatever, an hour and a half in that movie that is not. So. That is personally for me, not even from like an artistic perspective or whatever, but pains me as a viewer is most of these movies have like a consolidated, really good chunk to them. But for whatever reason, they think they all have to be at least two hours long. And that's something please yield to me on this. Twenty two movies. All of them are at or over two hours long that you nor anyone in that franchise can tell me that is anything but lazy filmmaking. I don't know. I mean, I think that some of them earned the runtime, just like some of them don't. I and mean, as much as I've joked about it, Endgame deserved to be as long as it was because it pays off so much. Right. 
Doctor Strange does not need to be two hours long. Yeah. None of the Thor movies need to be two hours, two and a half hours long. I don't think any of them deserve to be more than two hours, but that applies not just to Marvel. That applies to most movies. <laughs> and this know? isn't even just me joking about the Mattis rule. Like, there is so much, like Thor Ragnarok, I was telling you, like, that fight scene between him and Hulk goes on forever. Eh, that's fun, though. No, <laughs> there's so much. You I'm can sure shave if off. I watch a Thor Ragnarok, I mean, I could find other things to cut. That's not the first 45 minutes of Black Panther. Nothing happens like uh, Civil War. Awesome. And then it went on another 45 minutes. I think Civil War earns its runtime. I the whole point with this discussion is we're not going to convince each other either way. Uh, but I guess what I'm trying to state is I don't I think uh, when I do talk to people about this, they think I find some fault with like the people who make these movies or the actors involved. And that's not it. It's no, just, you're Scorsese. Like, I just want more. And I, I wish my frustration is I wish that other people wanted more. I wished I wish that more people would have seen Good Time. I wish that more people would have seen The Big Sick. I wish that more people uh, watched Blue is the Warmest Color. You know, and I just about runtime and that. But to be fair to that movie, that is like 22 movies worth of shit into <laughs> three hours. I just wish that people wanted more. And this isn't. This is new. Like, even if you look at uh, even Titanic, there was still some challenging elements to that movie. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I think that Titanic is more of a technical feat. I I have more trouble. That's know, what I'm saying. Like all these movies, that's what, some of the most uh, knee jerk responses I get are like, well, it's incredible what they're able to do. And I'm like, that's fine. There's still nothing to it. Doctor Strange, there's nothing to that movie. I think that Titanic earns its runtime in the sense that well, Titanic's if, a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it earns its runtime if you're enjoying it. Uh, especially, you know, and this is not new. Once the ship goes down, that whole part just like, what? <laughs> but Spoiler. Be- before that, though, I I think that if you're having trouble buying into that love story, it's Adventureland all over again. If you're having trouble buying into the love story, you know, I'm realizing how white I am with all these movie reviews <laughs> we're doing. Uh, it, you know, I watched them when they re-released it, and it was. You know, on first watch, you you can it's all new, so you're good. Yeah. But then second watch, you're like, oh my god, can we just hit the iceberg so that it gets really good? Uh, I mean, I, I think that there's movies being long is a problem of movies, not just a problem, obviously, of the of the Marvel movies. And and you can do a masterful movie that's long, like The Irishman, Dark Knight, two hours and thirty two minutes, <laughs> incredible movie. You can be all up here too. Julio can see I didn't reference anything. <laughs> you know? I knew exactly how long that you movie close was. your laptop before <laughs> you did that. Uh, uh, or you can do like movies are slog. Martin Scorsese himself keep, keep bringing Wolf of Wall Street you know that's, oh, yeah you know that's talk about a movie that could have been 90 minutes exactly yeah you know so it, it's uh, I, I think if nothing else you could argue that maybe the audience is having less patience for you know that's the problem with the Irishman that people were complaining so many people were complaining about the runtime and nobody was even considering the fact that yes but it's a Martin Scorsese movie yeah <laughs> so maybe maybe you give him a shot and you realize that it's worth it there are people it's, doing that about once upon a time in Hollywood too they're like it's three hours I'm like it's a Tarantino movie like what, what do you expect yeah uh, but you know I think that a movie a, a movie will that's not like an MCU problem that's no. a, that's a just like i think that there is 
there might be sort of a, a, a leaning towards like uh, uh, what do you call it self indulgence on runtimes with certain filmmakers and certain studios. Lars von Trier. Uh, you know, where you're just like, well, I want to, I'm doing what I want to do, and that's it. I mean, PTA's movies are generally pretty long, and I love him as a filmmaker. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. That's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I think what is hard to explain because it, this epitomizes the issues I have. Like I said, it's not these movies, like, it's not these Marvel movies. I don't, I really, I really don't care about these movies. That's the thing for me personally. But, they are the shining example of like what I have issues with. But again, all the blame with or not blame. That's a strong word. My just desire is that people wanted more and it doesn't seem like they do. And that's something that I have to deal with, that I have to learn to accept that this is until it bottoms out. This is how it's going to be. And maybe 15 years from now, we'll get an awesome stretch there where we get like a year where we get another Forrest Gump, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction all in the same year. And, you know, I know. I could do more on my end to seek movies out. It's just the majority of things I see come through just seems so milquetoast. And then when I do watch movies that people talk about, like uh, I tried to watch Midsummer, and I was like, no. And <laughs> Joker, <you>. and <laughs> Joker specifically to hear people talk about that, like it's an intelligent movie and then watch it. It's um, laughable. And, but would you agree that it's, trying something you know it's like if you're criticizing you know the the bean counters at marvel yeah for just you know going for money would you at least go and i'm not fuck i'm defending joker now but you know joker doesn't seem like it was made to make money it no it tries as much as philip what's his name todd phillips todd phillips it tries as much as he can try and that's fine and i look i'm not saying i can make a better movie but watching that i'm like it's it's someone who doesn't really know what they want to say, but they're trying to say something. And that is um, I forget the gentleman that directed Black Panther, but that's I thought Ryan Coogler. Yeah. All of that's so good. Like the the mid portion of that with all the moral quandaries and conundrums and whatnot. I think um, it's just perfect on that note. So there's this writer, comic book writer called uh, his name is Kurt Busiek, and he and he's written a whole lot of like Marvel stuff, but he also has like this series uh, called Astro City that's more like his author stuff, uh-huh. and uh, it's it's kind of like superhero stories, but from a very different point of view. So very rarely do you get like you know, it's not the story about Captain America; it's a story about the guy that was crossing the street when Captain America like was fighting somebody, you know, or the guy that Captain America like put him in jail once, and now what happens after his life, or maybe oh. the superhero that nobody pays attention to because they're paying attention to Captain America syndrome. Uh, yes, uh, or, or sometimes even when he when he comes uh, when he's telling the story of a bigger hero in this world, it's always from a little like a bit of an SQ point of view where you get the stories that you don't usually get on the big blockbusters for the big yeah. right. And uh, but clearly when you're reading them. You know, you can't tell that kind of story if you're not familiar with the tropes, if you're mm-hmm. not familiar with the genre. And so it's clear that he loves the genre, that he's soaked up the genre. And he, on his introduction to the to the first Astro City collection, he talks about the genre in a way that, I remember when I read it a long time ago, it was kind of eye-opening, not because he was teaching me anything new, but because he was kind of putting into words how I felt about superhero stories, which carries stigma in a way, because you think superhero stories and you automatically think, well, it's like kid stuff. Yeah. And it's like a lot of it is, you know, but it doesn't mean that there's not an artfulness to it, which is why I think people like me can get extra defensive when Scorsese is quoted as completely trashing a genre that actually can offer some stuff. And I think 
before you launch into that, like, yeah. piggybacking off that, there are a good amount of people like you and me that can find the artistic merit in these things. But I think honestly, a big part of the reason these are thriving so so much is that shit really sucks in the real world right now, and people just want to be whisked away to a world of whimsy and wonder, which is fine. I mean, people leaving these happy is not a bad thing. So listen to this because it's it's actually I was giggling when I started. I hadn't read this in forever, but I remembered and I started reading it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just bring it to the recording. Um, so he says, unfortunately, at least from my perspective, the superhero is not as well regarded by many of those around me, friends, family, fellow creators and a vocal number of comics readers. I hear that there are too many superheroes, that they're choking the racks and shelves of the comic book stores, that they're the reason comics are so poorly regarded by the majority of Americans and more. And while I could quibble with some of the above, I would certainly like to see more diversity on the comic racks, for instance. Uh, but when I see superheroes from Batman to Superman to Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the Crow, the Tick, and more in movies, on TV, in cartoons, in books, or blowing off the toy store shelves, I wonder whether superheroes are really what non-comics readers are turning up their noses at when they pass up comic books. It's one specific complaint against a superhero that I want to bring up here. The complaint, which never fails to charm me, is that superheroes are limited. They're inherently juvenile. They're simplistic. They're just an adolescent male power fantasy, a crypto-fascist presentation of status quo values, elevated over anything strange or alien. And yeah, sure, I can see that. Superman is adolescence personified. Clark Kent, the weak child whom nobody takes seriously, turning into the powerful, respected, and sexually attractive but nervous around women. <laughs> Superman, as swiftly as a teenager's voice cracks. And then back again to meek, unimportant Clark. Spider-Man is adolescence from a different angle. The teenager stumbling toward adulthood writ large, making mistakes with disastrous consequences, and doing his best to remedy them as he learns to be a responsible man in an adult society. Captain America is the American ideal and self-image circa 1941 rolled into one. The biggest kid in the global playground who's going to make the other kids play nice even if he has to get a little rough to do it. I can absolutely see that. However, and you knew there was going to be a however, right? What charms me about that objection to the superhero is the way it points out in the guise of criticism what to me is the greatest strength of the superhero genre. The ease with which superheroes can be used as a metaphor, as a symbol, whether for the psychological transformation of adolescence, the self-image of a nation, or something else. A genre that can do something like that, is that really a limitation? I don't think so. If a superhero can be such a powerful and effective metaphor for male adolescence, then what else can you do with them? Could you build a superhero story around a metaphor for female adolescence, around midlife crisis, around the changes adults go through when they become parents? Sure, why not? And if a superhero can exemplify America's self-image at the dawn of World War II, could a superhero exemplify American self-image during the less confident 1970s? How about the emerging national identity of a newly independent African nation? Or a non-national culture like the drug culture or the greed is good business culture of the go-go 80s? Of course, if it can do one, it can do the others. And then he says, I could go on, but I'll spare you. So I'll spare you the rest. But the idea of the superhero genre as being this very flexible mm -hmm. way to tell stories that granted, it's not used at its full potential most of the time. Yeah. But that applies to everything, you know? 99% mm -hmm. of everything is shit. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel movies included, you know? Yeah. It's like, but you do have something that's powerful because of its simplicity. The Irishman hits some highs that an MCU movie can't hit, but that doesn't mean that the MCU movie can't find ways to hit, to scratch itches that the Irishman mm -hmm. want. And I, I which is poor Scorsese, his ears are like fucking red for the past two hours. There are things I, that, yeah, I 
I was moved by Thor seeing his mom again after traveling back. And in you time. haven't even watched it. Well, it's probably because you haven't watched a shitty <laughs> second Thor movie. <laughs> well, it's also two really good actors and just the emotion of the moment. I, I mean, I know what happens. She dies. And so right. he's getting to see her again. It's him in the present going to the past. And, and she knows it too, but she's still so motherly and comforting to him. And that's not, that's not something you can practically tell in a Martin Scorsese <laughs> movie about gangsters in New York. So, well, there is, I mean, even like talking about the movie that we just watched, Endgame, right? I, I, I've had discussions with people. Oh, yeah, we did people. watch Endgame. <laughs> um, I was talking to Chas. Uh, you know, we did an episode with him. Who? That guy, Chas Fisher. Oh, okay. Sure every, every 20 episodes, bring him up. we bring him up. But, you know, where I was trying to figure out, okay, what is this movie saying about anything? What is it saying about the main characters that are about coming to an end here? Is about Endgame? Endgame, okay. right? And it's like, what are you seeing at the end? You know, what does it mean that Tony Stark sacrifices himself when he obviously was a very selfish person at the beginning of this whole journey? But it's more than that. You know, to me, the idea that, it's not just that he dies, but that he dies surrounded by this whole army of superhero people that... Also, he did it like in front of everyone that cares about him, so there's like the narcissistic <laughs> quality to it and all yes, that. Yes, yeah. but to me, that moment when, at the very end, when Pepper goes to him and she's like, you can rest now, that is, you know, the idea of the workaholic that... You know, what does it take for him to stop? Yeah. You know, and to me, it's not just that he sacrifices himself because that was the only thing, but it's like he feels okay dying because he knows that, well, I die, but I have all these people surrounding me. Right. Yeah. And they can take care of it after. We're going to be okay. You can rest. Captain America, you know, what does it take for him to actually go and get alive? It's the same thing. Suddenly, after 22 movies, 10 years of, of Marvel stuff, he's surrounded by, by people. And then he decides, well, maybe it's okay for me to. To move on mm-hmm. and and they can take care of it and I can go take care of my life. Uh, to me, all of Infinity War was about failure. It's like they fail. The, the entirety of Infinity War is these people keep saying, no, we we uh, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't trade lives. Yeah. And they fuck up. At the end, they're, uh, before he disappears, uh, Chris Pratt goes like, oh, my God, did we lose? Yeah. You know, and then he goes away. And then everybody, Thanos won. And Captain America's like, fuck, failure. And then Endgame is about what do you do once you fail? At what point do you move on? Five years later, is it okay for you to say, okay, well, we're not doing this anymore. You know, I'm just running support groups. Uh, or are you supposed to always keep going back and, and trying to make things right? I mean, these are things that are, I think there are thoughts that people come into during their lives. Mm-hmm. And you can get intellectual stimulation from, you know, a bunch of people in costumes and tights shooting at each other, but having like the good stuff, like the meaty stuff in between, just like you can from an artsier picture, one that tackles that like up front, uh, not under the disguise of a superhero movie. So I think that there's room for both. And I think that, yes. (laughs) Uh, And I think that to some people, I had this discussion with a friend of the podcast, uh, Ben from Film Busters, right? He was livid on their Irishman episode that there were people that were not watching the Irishman in one sitting. And I was like, I watched it in one sitting. I completely understand people that can't watch it in one sitting. And he's like, well, they should wait. And it's like, I can wait because I know Scorsese. I love the the his work. And I know that I want to watch it in one sitting. But somebody that's just coming to Scorsese on his own, I can't ask them to do that. And if instead the way that they're going to experience Scorsese for the same first time or second time is to break it up in four chunks, go for it. Do it. Because it provides an entry point. 
And maybe before you get to like even Scorsese or something more complex, maybe you watch a much, much simpler movie that will still like get in you the joy of watching something relatable mm -hmm. on screen. So there is nothing. It may be McDonald's, but it's not poisoning you at least. No. <laughs> it may it. be it. It's share of the market may be keeping you from growing. But I think that that's not just on them it's on you know all it's the, the market yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing too and one of the things i've bitched about also on here is uh the just the over abundance of uh content and like the oversaturation of everything what this marvel cinematic universe has been really good at doing is distant not distancing so themselves but making sure to separate the two like there's so much content everywhere but what everyone knows is that when the bat signal goes up and there's a new Marvel movie way to mix up. That. I know. Right. <laughs> Sound like an old man now. Uh, but when that flies up, when the alarm goes off that this is, you know, they've done a really good job at doing what people bitched about star Wars doing event movies. It's like, yeah, it may not be the best movie you've ever seen in your life. There may not be, you know, too much really to it, but you got to go see it. And it's they're It's good. They've created this. They're very good at it. It's great marketing. Like anything, I eventually I surmise they will be far enough ahead of the curve to realize when it's not going to be sustainable anymore, and they'll get out before it starts dragging. But yeah, it's um, it's not a franchise like Twilight or something where like they're not they're still trying, and like these actors and actresses in them are not really walking through it. I meant what I said in that text or that tweet where you, me, and John were talking. Rachel McAdams was bad in Doctor Strange. Well, see, I don't remember. And part of it's that thing I was talking about on our Fly episode. For an actor like Rachel McAdams, asking her to act at a tennis ball or like in a green screen setting, that's just silly. Like that's it's silly for you to expect that you're going to get the same quality out of her. But I don't even remember her being part of the big like the CGI part spectacles. where uh, specifically the scene where. He his spirit comes out and he's performing surgery on himself yeah, and she's yeah, supposed yeah. to be reacting to it. It's like it, it's like how you react, you know, when you're in a photo booth and you're supposed to act like Godzilla's <laughs> behind you. Ah, so uh, I mean, closing down our discussion of this because I jest so much about it and tweet such disapproving things, people think. And they'll come at me like you're wrong, da 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 da, and that's fine. Like I admitted, I'm wrong about this, but with, I don't hold these movies responsible. I've enjoyed the majority of these that I've watched. Spider-Man: Homecoming fucking ruled. It's just what they symbolize, and my desire for people to want more is what's frustrating. In my opinion, that these non-challenging movies are overall lowering the bar. But that's not anything I'm going to vilify them specifically for. What I'll say at the end of the day is these aren't for me. I don't really care. Uh, I can admit which ones are good, which ones I like, which ones get an emotional reaction out of me. Man, it sucked watching Iron Man die, man. That, that, <laughs> that was emotional. But, you know, barring any massively unforeseen swerve, like they get Liv Schreiber to play Gambit or something like I don't I don't see myself going out of my way to really ever watch one. again. I feel like I've done it. I feel like I watched the ones you recommend and I watched Endgame. So I can kind of close this. It's chapter. a good out. Too. I imagine a lot of people are doing the same thing where they're like, all right, I invested the 22 movies. This is a good time to jump off. <laughs> That'd be fascinating if the next one just like tanks. Bombs. Yeah. But they got, I told you, they got some backlash with the next Spider Man, but I don't know how much of it was related Jake to Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. You, uh, you can't foul it. Uh, I think that. Uh, and I would hope you would 
agree there's nothing wrong with me just not these movies not oh being no for no me. no just it's just like there's nothing wrong with me not connecting to adventureland that's why i well. said <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said endgame is my adventureland because in the adventureland episode you laid out very specifically very personal ways in which that movie spoke to you mm-hmm. and because i haven't led the life that you've led beat by beat it, that couldn't happen to me yeah both experiences are valid you know and it, there's just you know, I can appreciate wrestling more because we're <laughs> friends, but I'm never going to be the wrestling fan that you are. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. that kind of stuff. Because you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I, probably should have started with this, but, you know, when it comes to just superhero movies, I remember when Age of Ultron came out and, you know, you were like, man, that sucked. And I was like, what are you talking about? That was great. That's like what I've been waiting for my entire life. Fucking Iron Man and Hulk beating each other for 30 minutes. That was great. But that's the kind of stuff that I grew up with, you know? And I'm not just talking about the cartoons. I mean, I I remember one Christmas when uh, my parents, that my Christmas present was like maybe 50 comic books, oh, all wow. Marvel. And it was just like, I was just reading the entire night. Everybody was eating turkey and whatever. And I was just, eating. you know, I grew up with that, with those characters. I grew up with those, uh, with those stories. I grew up with those toys and in their in their very, you know, limited fashion with those TV shows, with those movies. So to me, this is just, you know, yes, it finally happened. And yeah, I'm going to write it for as long as it goes, as long as it's good. Yeah. You know, to me, it hasn't reached the point yet of the diminishing returns because the, the world works this way. It will eventually get to that. Yeah. Every time that they've announced like a new thing. I, I have wondered, okay, is this where it happens? Is this where, not not financially, but where I just really feel that they just fucked up. You know, if they announce- Iron Man 3. Oh, but see, even Iron Man, something like Iron Man 3, I can go like, that is, I want to like talk shit about Shane Black, but that is like a Shane Black movie. Yeah. And the problems I have with it are you can Shane Black problems, yeah. Yeah. you know? Uh, but let's say that if tomorrow they announce that they're doing like Iron Man 4 and they brought Robert Jr. back, I'll be like, Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it defeats the purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they brought Captain America back from retirement, somehow he drinks something and he becomes young again. I'd be like, why? You know, what that that to me, like. That's this, when this, it does become Friday right. the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> they get Rob Zombie. Yeah. They bring him over so you can do like. They uh, find, yeah, Iron Man, he's, uh, he's underwater, he drowned, but then lightning hits the, the lake. <laughs> and so it brings him back to life. Yeah. I think that there's just desperation when creativity has run out but to me so far what they've been doing is just building and building no end in sight that's true but i don't fault them for like that the simpsons you know? yeah like the simpsons you still love the simpsons mm-hmm. i can't tell you the last recent one i watched but yeah i can go back to the, <laughs> and then I, I i love the first store and like i said spider-man homecoming will buy that to own first avengers i own it love it first iron man was great uh it's just yeah, it's kind of what it became and what it represents that then just is when I kind of became had this weird uh, distancing from it. And that's kind of where it is now. Hey, to- you're, you're you're taking a moral stance on the status of the movie business. And I, I liked uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And that, that's I keep coming back to that. I don't actively dislike these movies or the people involved. There's some that do more for me than others. Did not care for Doctor Strange, but I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Anyway. This was great. Uh, I, I meant what I said. I feel that the second hour is just overly emotionally manipulative. It's like if they had three characters that were all Diane Keaton in the Family Stone, 
Look at you. <laughs> That's such a great callback. <laughs> Listen to our Family Stone episode for, I think, the first time we disagreed on Real Talk. It is the season, and the, the tis the season, and tis the best Christmas movie is uh, the Family Stone. But anyway, they were all parts that could have been put into other movies, I think. like I, am, I think so when you're watching it kind of in isolation. I mentioned this sort of when we were... Still talking. I'm the movie. sorry, and for those at home, we're referring to Thor seeing his mom, and then Tony Stark seeing his dad, and then Chris uh, Evans seeing his girl, and then and Black Widow dying. Yeah, it's. But I think that that's uh, that shocked I, me. By the way, I had no idea that, that she died. Oh, dude, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I, I I think that there is a you know I kind of handicapped you in a way, but I had to do it by force feeding you Marvel movies in such a short span of time. It's like I told you, they're not meant to be consumed that way. Even the way they were released, you know, you had at least, you know, let's say eight months to decompress and whatever. So when when you get the end game, that's the stuff. That's the good stuff. All the emotional manipulation, that's the good stuff. All the all the big beats you've been waiting for those for sometimes for like you know five movies, six movies. Uh, some of them you didn't even know you were waiting for. You know, nobody knew that Thor was going to have that emotional moment with his mom. Still, whereas, it- whereas you probably knew that at least one of the original Avengers was going to die. So when it happens to Black Widow, you're like, well, it's happened. <laughs> <sighs> and then, you know, they kill out. They hit you with a big but, one. Uh, yeah. At, I mean, we're not, we'll agree or like come to peace on all other things. I don't think we're ever going to, there's no need to be these many movies. There's no need for them to be these, this long that like the end of infinity war should have been them cutting off Thanos's head. That would save us a half hour on this. And, you know, basically it ends and then they're like, well, how do we get everyone back? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I structurally, I mean, I don't want to go down this path, but I, I, I structurally like what they did because, like I said, I think Infinity War needed to end in defeat for just thematic purposes, and then you know, the end of Infinity War is bomb. Just how Josh Brolin just goes out in Pensacola or wherever he is, and just sits down and <laughs> looks out and has that sigh of relief. And like I said, I did give the golf clap to an infinity war when they do the title credits. And then it says Marvel presents infinity war. And then the text flies yep. off like everyone else. Um, I have, I have one question for you. Kind of maybe to close this. No, uh-huh. that is because you might remember, I think after watching infinity war, I told you this is WrestleMania 30 and you're like, Oh, I get what you're saying. And then end game happened. And I, I might've said this 31, but whatever. That's the one with the rock and Cena, right? That was 28. Oh, 28. But, yeah. Okay. WrestleMania 30 is a, a good analogy too, because that's the one where Daniel Bryan won the belt. And it was like, this like payoff of like 12 years worth of stuff. Right. So So if you condensed that journey of 12 years to a year, Mm -hmm. well, in theory, the pieces are still there. So you understand it in the sense that there's a beginning, middle and end and a payoff and whatever. But the fact that you waited 12 years for that to happen makes it more powerful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's, And it is, it, it's baffling to me that I love wrestling and, for that it's like <laughs> i put up with all this shit that i don't want to and i don't like because i know eventually something's going to happen that gives me this feeling so i should absolutely latch onto these movies <laughs> but i don't for whatever reason uh you didn't grow up reading comics i did <laughs> but not the way i did that and that's fair too that's a personal life experience i was uh x-men was my thing that was all i was always yeah. x-men and so uh, that's a good example. The first X-Men movie, 90 minutes, perfect. In there and out. <laughs> Different time. And then they fucked it all up with two and three. And, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. You know, I would, 
personally, I would scoff at it because like the Brian thing hit me so much harder. But yeah, that that's that's how this works. You wait for this build up and this payoff, and then it ends the way you want it to. And yep. and it's like the Brian thing is a perfect example to compare this to because it's like it much like these movies, it's predetermined. You kind of know what's going to happen. And you hope, but you still hope it does. <laughs> And then some things will happen. And you'll be like, oh, man, I don't know if it's going to happen the way I want it to. <laughs> and then it happens the way you want it to. And you're like, life is good. So that what ties us together, that match that he won was actually against Dave Batista. Oh. And uh, Randy Orton was in there, too. But that ties it all together. It's my issues with it go beyond what I look at on the screen. My issues. Yeah, with I mean. It- wrestling is not taking over the world in a way that would be harmful to other ways of TV production. It did in 1998 and it harmed a lot of things. (laughs) It it harmed a lot of young men's upbringings like myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my final thoughts, like wrapping this all up, I still admire that they're able to churn out something like Endgame, despite how we got there and my thoughts on, how much of it was necessary and even needed that that's a bit different, but it warrants being, I think what would have made it stand out more and made me really impassioned to say it warrants being three hours is if all of the other ones weren't long as shit. And, <laughs> but that's not going to change. That's again, something that I'm going to have to learn to accept, but I think Endgame kind of earned a lot of it. I still in my heart of hearts and what I think a best picture is, I don't think that's the kind of thing that, should be up for that but that's all subjective and it's i I don't like it either but like we've seen the oscars the past few years they're they're doing two things they're doing the exact same shit they've always done where old white people vote for the things you expect them to but then they're also trying to incorporate big movies to get more viewers and get young people more interested in the telecast so of course i i would be astonished if this doesn't get a best picture nomination is that going to make me lose and sleep? No. I might roll my eyes when I read it. I will tweet something pithy, as you would say, uh, but fine. I Your sister asked me when I came in before when you were setting up the movie. She's like, do you think, do you want it to get a, a Best Picture nomination? And I told her no, because I don't want to deal with that bullshit for like four <laughs> months or whatever. I love the movie. I think it's great. It doesn't need the award. And the amount of like social media noise that's going to mm-hmm. be clogging my life, just people. And then more th- people asking people who we don't care their opinion exactly. on Marvel movies. Yeah. yeah. You know, it'll make for a better life. They'll find Weinstein outside of his trial. And hey, Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> what do you think about Endgame? Uh, but, you know, but that feeling has nothing to do with how I feel about the quality of the movie. No. It's just entirely about just the circus. It's not worth the, the hassle behind it. Yeah. Because th- the main thing is. I could almost guarantee if it gets nominated, it's not going to win. So then it would be like a wasted effort just like listening to all this. Yeah. And then if you want to put yourself in, the, in, in even like a, a, take a further step back, it's like, like I say, it doesn't need to win. It doesn't need a nomination. But Three are, but, billion dollars. Right. And everybody already knows. Won. Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows the actors. You know, nobody's career in, in that, in those projects is going to be further by them winning an award. But, you know, fucking, I keep bringing up Marriage Story, by the way, it's my plug. Marriage Story should get all the nominations, you know, because it's it's a movie that deserves to be watched and mm-hmm. not enough people are going to watch it you know but they but more people might watch it if it wins an award or if it at least gets nominated so to me that's really the real purpose of these award ceremonies now is just okay you can have your bullshit nominees but also shed light on some of the movies that need the eyes some light you know, shed so on we them. can get that's the real good that comes out of them yeah man 
had a zinger. I can't remember what it was though. Anyway, um, the Joker related. Joaquin, it's he's I, probably gonna win. So you know, brace yourself for that. I I have no issue with that. Like he, I, I, me either. I, I can always do either. mental hurdles over it of like. Oh, well, he he won for the master, but it's just they're just giving it to him, you know, seven years later. So, yeah, the the whole Academy Awards thing. I mean, they've been trying to change that for several years just to make it more inclusive. I mean, I don't think I'm telling tales at recess here. The Dark Knight kind of changed everything in regards to that. So cool. If it gets that and people that validates some people's thoughts on it, it's fine. That's where we're at. Uh, For me personally, I'm like I said, I'm content. If uh, my friend Davy at work actually had a quote about the this these movies that I thought kind of for me personally hit the nail on the head, they're good, but I'd also be perfectly fine if they didn't exist. And I think that's how I feel about it. But saying that people will immediately think you're trying to say they're that's bad. actually very non-confrontational, but. The internet will do what the internet does. <laughs> they will always argue with you yeah. about these things. So obviously the majority of this talk was not about Endgame proper. So with really condensed thoughts on it, um, Tom Holland is awesome. He He's my MVP takeaway from these things I've watched. Like his acting ability is great. He's a perfect Spider-Man. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Great. This The granddaddy of... Uh of the franchise arguably it's not lying to say this completely this was his second act in like life was yeah. because of the <laughs> avengers um chris hemsworth i i do love his thor like my thoughts on ragnarok aside uh yeah like no one's bad everyone and especially for a movie like this where you could seemingly kind of just phone it in everyone um there's just quick like uh, yeah because i wanted to hit you with like rapid fire like just questions of like about the movie itself uh-huh. or the thing but also even before that because you're not you know embedded in the, you you're not part of this thing so you probably were not aware of it i told you it's like oh yeah there was a lot, kind of like a bit of an outcry about the way that thor looks in this movie oh, yeah you know people some people took offense to that uh some people were really bummed about just its arc. And I, I was trying to put myself in their shoes. If you're a Thor fan, and I think he gets... He doesn't kick ass in this he's movie. Lost but he's lost everyone he loves. Right. I mean, I think it's a very interesting story. But I think there were people that wanted him to, you know, be the one that beats Thanos. And, you know, get some... some. Well, you know, he cuts his head off at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's, I went for the head. Because that's what he tells him to do it in Yeah. Uh, Hulk fans... We're bummed that, you know, again, he didn't get too much. You know, Thanos kicks his ass at the beginning of Infinity War. And I guess people were waiting for a rematch. And instead, uh, Hulk's part here is more intellectual, which I love. You know, he it's gets so to bring funny. everybody back. I roll my eyes at stuff like this, like nerds. But then if you would listen to, like, the minutia that I bitch about when it comes to pro wrestling, you'd yep. be like, nerd. <laughs> uh, to me, being, you know, Captain America is, is my favorite one. So to me, that's, like, perfect. You know, yeah. his story is great. I, I, Iron Man also, his story is great. We've only got three hours we can only do so much in there uh and then yeah the thing that doesn't surprise me but you said the the moment of the, all the women coming together yeah, the kick yeah ass, the, the people cool. were mad about that or something fuck off like that that's what i learned about this whole thing is i might not care for it but if it's giving like i said the fact that so many people seemed like bothered by black panther when it came out and it's like black people have a superhero movie that's fucking awesome they should have had a lot more by now and yep. the fact that they have one to look up to cool awesome captain marvel and this moment here where all the women unite it's like awesome like 
you have to have some really oppressive views or just be really unhappy to get mad at something like that. That someone to who's... feel it's really to me, it always feels like somebody's feeling threatened by that kind of shit, you know, and they react as like, oh, well, that's bullshit. Like, yeah, if someone's like, hey, we're going to cut your dick off and be like, that's not cool. <laughs> but like if I'm watching this and all these chicks get together and kick ass, I'm like, fuck, yeah, do it. Yeah. It's it's in the same spirit. Gina of Davis fun and the long kiss so goodnight. I'm always just like, yes, <laughs> kill him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Girl power. So who's your favorite character? I guess Spider-Man? No. Uh, Marissa Tomei, just standing there. <laughs> Linda Cardellini is my favorite character. Um, God, yeah, I guess from this go around Spider-Man, I, I really can't understate how much I really liked the first Thor and how I liked how Chris Hemsworth was like uh, fish out of water as uh-huh. opposed to where they just kind of try to make him this teen heartthrob in the later <laughs> ones. Uh, I've always thought Tom Hiddleston was really good with what he did. I mean, you're, you're going to have a hard time finding a better performance in these than uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. But yeah, the coming into this blind kind of, and then the takeaway, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, I think is just absolutely tremendous. And as much as I jest about, uh, and deservedly so, I, I still think practical effects are the way to go. It was amusing, I guess. So I don't know if I'm complimenting it, but just like, picturing josh brolin like <laughs> in a big cgi suit like i'm just thinking of him like he fell at some point on his back and he couldn't get <laughs> over and he's like help <laughs> if this is if this is it for my ride with the marvel movies then it's definitely a good way to go out i can't guarantee i would own Endgame, but i will get homecoming that's that's impressive. I did not uh, anticipate you liking it that much. So thank you for setting this all up. I did it kind of kicking and screaming. Hey, but uh, I'm I'm ready for my, I guess, six-part series of wrestling movies uh, that man, lead up to the wrestler. You've come to my uh, SummerSlam parties. You, you've done. You've paid your penance. Uh, <laughs> I think I now have more to kind of reference, and I. I feel uh, you'll get twice the memes now. <laughs> no shit. Like that was <laughs> people would post stuff and or like show me and then be like, oh, but you haven't seen it. And I would just be like, I still went into this like fairly blind. It's pretty crazy that you didn't know that Iron Man died. I knew someone died. But, yeah, but everybody kind of assumed because going into Endgame. I assumed it was him because he's the highest profile. Yeah. Well, going into Endgame, the big thing was that everybody was talking about how it was the last movie in Evans's contract and Downey Jr.'s contract. So, like, at least one of them has to die. I do in- love the Chris Evans thing, like the Inception, the <laughs> Marion Cotillard, where they just he just grew old and then he came back. Such a a dignified exit. Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm probably I'll probably watch Captain Marvel just because I like Brie Larson and the things you've explained to me. And apparently, it has a '90s soundtrack, which is like the quick, yep. quickest way to my heart. But they're all the same. And if you if that's what you like, that's fine. You'll get the opening where an inconsequential person will die, or there'll be some moment of exposition. A top forty song will kick in. Uh, a character will be you know probably making themselves breakfast or looking in the mirror, getting ready for the day or something. And shaving, shaving. Yep, shaving. Yep. There you go. So that closes a, a pretty big chapter here on the hey, contrarians. We've been talking about this forever. Episode ninety nine. Uh, and well, also, even before Endgame came out, we were talking about like other ways to incorporate. Yeah, yeah. this is actually okay. So this is the first episode of 2020, really, because this comes out January 1st. Nice. It's the beginning of our uh, sort of anniversary month, because you know next episode is episode 100. Mm-hmm. So 
it it was fitting to do something we've been talking about the MCU for so long and there's so many episodes that have you saying things about the MCU yep. it just made sense to record real talk time we're probably going to clock in at about an hour and 20 for <laughs> real talk which is unprecedented so wrapping up if you like them that's fine if you want to talk to me about it sometime or come you know have a discussion about the things I don't like uh, like me and Julio have had here I think that's the closest I've come to like yelling at you on here there was one point where my voice got like to that point of <laughs> yeah I was like no and it got really high and the the music the audio spiked on the screen anyway avengers endgame next up is watchmen which i am super excited to do and that's an, another three-hour movie that and will, it's but it's thematically appropriate yeah you know we're super done size with, for 100 yeah it, but also we just finished sort of probably the highest profile more successful standard superhero movie so now we're jumping into a movie that's supposed to be about the deconstruction of the genre it is a really good one-two punch and also uh i think it'll be interesting to talk about the cinematic features that really work in there and thematic elements that are fascinating for a movie that was not anywhere near as well received as this and um one of the more frustrating superhero movies ever because it does attempt to do things and sometimes they fall really flat and it leaves you kind of you know, it's it a, takes risks that these Marvel movies wouldn't, that the Marvel movies are kind of rewarded for. It's a it's a gray area. Yeah, it's like I think it's like fifty percent on the nose. Yeah, so that means one of us is going to be attacking, one of us is going to be defending. Oh, I can do either. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could do either too, but uh, I'll just have to look and see who did what was ninety and how did that go. Yeah, I don't recall. Man, we spent an entire Saturday together to hey. this movie. So, plugs, you said... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Marriage Story, a Netflix original. Uh, it's uh, our buddy Noah Baumbach. Oh. I know we brought him up before as a joke, and I don't know why. Was it because he interviewed somebody? On like a- yes. Um, the... Fuck, I want to say it was Blowout. Like, he facilitated <laughs> an interview with... Uh, shit, who directed Blowout? Uh, De Palma? De Palma, Yeah. yeah. I just because I remember seeing it, I was like, I've never wanted to watch something less in my entire life. Uh, he has it's his second Netflix original, I think. Uh, the Meyerowitz uh, stories. He's worked with Driver before. I watched that movie when when we were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Naomi Watts, right? Yeah, and, and ben, uh, Stiller. ben Stiller. Yeah, uh, yeah. Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. It's like two twenty, I think. But honestly. To me, it went faster than uh, than The Irishman, which was three. And I like The Irishman, but this was just, I was gripped. Nice. Uh, it's a really sad movie, but it's also really good. I Just watch it. Uh, and also, I kind of like side-plugged Astro City. So you should, if you like superheroes, you should read Astro City. There are like 20 collections out by now. Tremendous. Julio and myself attended the Other Worlds Film Festival this past weekend. Uh, our buddy Reed's Film Festival, and together we watched a horror movie called One BR. Uh, pretty fascinating uh, movie that takes a couple hard lefts throughout the way that you wouldn't be expecting. Yes, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I thought I heard there that it has an on-demand release somewhere. Uh, I'm unable to find anything right now. Of course, if we see anything, we'll be sure to uh, tweet the links or post them on our website. But One BR is the name of the movie. So if there's a chance you see it coming anywhere close to you be sure you take it and go see it yeah i'm kind of like i was waiting because i watched two movies i loved in addition to that one uh one is afterlife there was the honeymoon phase but i'm kind of waiting on you know okay but how do i tell people how can i get people to watch them <laughs> so as soon as we have details we'll just do proper plugs all right does that do it for you that does it for me. I feel we've covered so much ground. What a time to be alive. Hey, it was the end game. It was the end. We're in the end game now. 
Part of the journey is the end. <laughs> Game. That's going to do it for us here on The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. Before we actually go, you might have noticed that we completely forgot to plug the festive years and hands for these are like we do on every episode, and that's because we were exhausted, which is so drained by the experience of watching Endgame and then recording this episode. We just forgot. So, here's the plug. Uh, the festive years graciously let us use their music to open and close the show. Uh, the opening song is Last Stand, the closing song is Summer of 99. You can find those tracks and many, many more at their website, thefestiveyears.com, for all your festive years needs, as Alex likes to say. And then our friend Hans Rothwieser, who designed our logo, he can do your logo, he can do comics, he's also a writer, he has two podcasts, he does everything. So he's two podcasts, one's in Spanish, and it's on every podcatcher. Uh, it's about Peruvian current events. Uh, it's called Nacion Combi. And if you don't know Spanish but you still want to listen to Hans, you can listen to his other podcast, Living in Peru. That's on iVox. And that's about immigrants to Peru. Uh, you can contact him at Neil Demonios on Twitter. That's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. Or you can email him at mildemonios at hotmail.com. Uh, you can also check out his other writing at mildemonios.pe. Great guy. Very talented, this Hans Rothwieser. And one more thing. I referenced it a little bit during the episode, but if you like Endgame and you're interested in screenwriting, story structure, just talking about story and storytelling, uh, you should really check out the episode we recorded with Draft Zero, Chaz and Stu, and myself. We went to town on Endgame on a very specific area of it, which was the journeys of Captain America and Iron Man and whether they were satisfying or not from a storytelling point of view. I had a lot of fun. Those guys really know there's stuff when it comes to writing and I, it was my pleasure and an honor to be part of the conversation there so check that out draft zero check them out on uh, whatever podcatcher you use just look for their avengers endgame episode and now we can call it quits on this journey we'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks for watchmen <laughs> <laughs>